welcome to another episode of Allies of Convenience podcast. This is episode number six, and uh, we're going great guns right now. I want to thank everybody that's uh, been recommending the podcast, leaving reviews, sharing the links, all of that good stuff, because we have just today, for the first time, hit 10,000 plays and that makes me feel like a very happy man. I'm sure a lot of the other guys on the podcast feel the same way. So thank you so much for your support and the great response we've had. All of the guys have come on as guests as well. You know, we couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much. Um, if you want to get involved, um, hit us up on the Facebook page. Uh, we do loads of stuff on there. Uh, we're happy to take feedback, take suggestions for content and questions and all that good stuff. Uh, that's facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast. That's uh, just AOC podcast, or you can just search Allies of Convenience podcast, and we should come up in your search. This week, I was pretty occupied with uh, other work commitments, so I wasn't able to be that much involved. So I let the kids take over the podcast for the week, um, and it led to some pretty uh, interesting content. Um, so we've got some, uh, some cool stuff, some discussion about the new NID uh, formations and the units and the data slates and all that good stuff that's in there um, from the guys that are talking about that. We've also got um, a review of the Renegades uh, GT, uh, where Matt Robertson spoke to uh, Captain America himself, Mr. Andrew Gonio, um, about his performance there. And then we have a review of the very recent Allies of Convenience, No Relation, uh, team tournament that was held in Birmingham um, that many of our podcast members went to and um, yeah we're going to save that one for the end because that one's an interesting listen Hello guys, welcome to Allies of Convenience Podcast. I am your uh, stand-in host, Mike Collins. Uh, joining me this evening, we have Matt Robertson. Hello. Master of the Universe, Gas Jones. Hello. Sorry, Gas. <laughs> uh, Gary, the voice, Percival. Hello. That's very camp, Gary. Thank you. <laughs> well, <that's a> compliment. <laughs> and we have James Ramsey, James Chucky Ramsey. Hello. What was that, James? <laughs> it was a cockney attempt. <laughs> I'm going to be judged on this, and you're doing your best cockney impressions. Call blimey, governor. <laughs> All right, mate. So yeah, we could have a, a little, uh, little intro, and uh, I'm sure uh, uh, Alex has told you what we've got coming this week. Um, so, Matt, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I would like to say painting, but everyone knows that's a lie, and he's been doing that for me. Uh, lots of games in the last minute, onto a team event, which unfortunately meant missing the final of the Liverpool League, which actually finished top in the league, but couldn't make the final, so congratulations to JP who won that. I think he, some may know him, he came third at Cali last year, so decent player. Wow. So you gave up your... Uh... Your rightful trophy. Obviously, you, you've got 20 nil with everyone, haven't you, on that one? Yeah, max points going into the finals on that one. <laughs> but you didn't win. Yeah, I sacrificed yeah, my personal me. glory for the greater good of friends for this one. Couldn't you just put Tom Gould and a little ginger beard and make him play yeah, for you? Yeah, what happens if Gould plays 40k? What do you reckon he's going to blow it? <laughs> Even <though> he's got <laughs> 20 nil. Fantastic. Anything else at all, buddy? Uh, Moving out, so I've got a 
tie all my forty k stuff and work out just how much I've got, which I am not looking forward to finding out how much it is. You mean you'll fly in the nest, eh? For Unfortunately, the first time? yes. Oh, Mummy's going to be so upset. She's celebrating. She's yes. trying to kick me out the door. Yeah, give that a day or two, mate. <laughs> already, already a study. <laughs> Gaz, what have you been up to since you uh, since you conquered the known universe with your amazing list? Oh, bloody hell. Don't ask me. Um, I've done as much as I did last time you asked me that question, I think. No one lives near me anymore. I think they've all got... <laughs> what? No one lives near you? No, Nobody. I'm literally living in a one-man... Try living in the fucking man. <laughs> yeah, call that living. It's Manchester. <laughs> Jesus. I currently live in like 1930s England, I think. So. It's like a time portal drive into it. <laughs> it is. It is very much. It's all right. I, I've played a couple of games against some people here and there, um, but only tournament I've been to is this one um, that we're going to be discussing in a bit. So I'm not going to spoil everyone's fun. Have you been rushing out and buying lots of new wave serpents and stuff, mate? And demons? No, i no, I've managed to hoard wave serpents over the years. So, make sure I've uh, prepared for this codex to come out and, oh, oh look, I have enough. You know. <laughs> oh look, I still own every model ever. I still have all the Eldar. I was still... Um, Just waiting for the death of the library cannons are good again. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all they're all in Seer Council now, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I take it that's just the bottom end of the vibro cannon, not just like some, yeah. some farseer draping himself some coils. <laughs> I took the, the uh, base off all the vibro cannons and turned them all into um, sort of skyboards for all my warlocks. Ability scooters, mate. That's what they look like. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> be good. Scratch the hell now, but never lend them to Robbo. Oh, you, see. You, you don't. You don't. You don't become the master of the universe, mate, by looking good. No, true. That's it. My models or myself, even so. <laughs> right, you're too hard on yourself, mate. You know that you've been the sub of my man crush many times. <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> Beating me off with a stick. True. Well, that's what you said it was, anyway. Beating me off with something. Anyway, right. So, Gary. Gary, Hello. the voice first of all, what have you been doing? It's been a long time since you've graced the airways. It, it is. I, I have been, unfortunately, in you know real life and doing real life stuff. But uh been getting a few Vassal games in and uh, finally got myself back into a tournament, which was this one. Ooh, the big reveal. Ooh. Yeah. Um, uh, what have you been working on, mate? Is it still... Still trying to make those orcs work? Still trying to make the orcs work, yeah. I think I've done it. You know, that is correct. Orcs. I think I've got orcs working. Fantastic. Isn't that right, Isn't that right, Gaz? Yeah, yeah. Gaz, with the, the master of the universe with the the, the, the best list in, in Europe. You're used to best list. Two turns. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one where we gave up after two turns playing orcs. Yeah. Is that a little uh, vassal game you boys had, wasn't it? Yeah, we had, yeah, we, we had a bit of a vassal game, and uh, and uh, after after I shot his his uh, beast pack, and then the beast pack charged, and then I overwatched and killed the rest of it, and he was like, "What the hell?" Rah, 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 start again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you beat you twice, though, I think. I so beat you twice. That, yeah. Does that make Gary the or just like you know the, uh, the like, it's like conquers Mike you see when you beat the the person who's master of the universe you become the master of the universe <laughs> oh fantastic so does Gary the master of the universe what does that make That's you like the unofficial world cup champion isn't it who, yeah, who is the official getting rid of that stupid title you've all given me Gary you've got it now oh, oh, oh come come on, on. Gas. Gary can gas also be gas <laughs> there's only one gas yeah, gas. yeah. yeah I, I haven't got your infamous anus unfortunately 
stupid name anyway. <laughs> James, can you rescue us from this over-talking rubbish that we're doing? What have you come to? Uh, I, I signed up for a, a league event that's going on soon, and I put by using Tyranids. Um, yeah. Uh, I played a one battle game, and that's about it. Is that more bugs? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyranids. Um, Well, not not. Let's not say Tyranids. Let's just say Lyrants. And a couple of floating spores that hide at the back. Don't do anything. Or the new Leviathan supplement. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um. So because this this league in uh, here got quite they're some pretty good players but they're, they're quite casual but they've got they love their forge world they love the lords of war they love all the big stuff so uh, the league is basically 2,000 points um, and the only rules are no unbound armies and no Horus Heresy everything else is allowed oh, no dear. holds barred nothing else so yeah you had people with stupid lists with Reaver Titans and there's two people with Reaver Titans. There's two people with Double Catan. Um, there is a guy with a Revenant um, and I think a Warlord as well. I don't know how he fit both in, but we managed to get both in. Um, or is it... Or maybe maybe it's one of the small ones. I don't know. He's got, he's got two Titans in. I, I don't know how he fits two Titans in without Gene. Um, so I don't really know what to do because I've been downsizing a lot of my stuff recently. I don't really want to... Um, there's no real point. I don't. I don't really feel like building uh, a load of stuff for it. So I thought I'd just use the nids, because yeah. um, it's quite good uh, practice to get. Because I might use them, uh, Cali and things. So uh, yeah. So I just took. I, I I was thinking, do I be really really dirty and just basically take double tyrant and two spores and just repeat it as many times as I can? Because uh, you can take unlimited detachments. So you could. <laughs> so. You know, and originally we was thinking, do I go for like, you know, Centurion style with about 20 characters? But the problem is like a Reaver Titan just, it doesn't care. Even, the only way to protect these is you've got invisibility. Uh, otherwise, it just doesn't care. You could have all the tanks in the world. Reaver Titan fires eight D-blasts, which ignore cover. And yeah, you don't survive that. You no. just don't. And you can't kill the Reaver. Even with uh, all the firepower in the world... You can't kill over time. It's just too hard. You need to have D yourself to kill their leaders. Because they've got, they've got 18 hull points and they've got six void shields and they've got armor 14, 14, 13 and they sit on a sky shield landing pad with a fourth and vulnerable and that, and quite often they're either iron hands, they've got it one or die and it's just stupid. You, you really can't kill them. Oh no, actually no, quite often they're, um, they're, they've got, they're like, I think they're ultramarines because they've got Tiggy. Which is always good as well. Oh, um, Jesus. So it doesn't sound very fun, mate. Where, where you're, fluffy, where you're mate. playing these games? Fluffy. Well, it, it's the thing is, this league is quite. It's quite. It's funny because like, you wouldn't think they're like really, like they're not one at all cost guys. They're just they just this is like their one their one event a year. They run forty k apart from a doubles, and it's kind of just a bit of a, a bit of a, a laugh. And people take silly armies because it's the only time they can, because uh, otherwise. Normally, the weekly games they play, uh, you know, people agree. There's a certain set of rule sets they, they can agree on. There's like different levels of, you know, how beardy you want to go. Like level one is just, you know, you can have anything you want. 
up to level five, which is a bit more, which is like, you know, basically Swedish comp. So everything's like, uh, you know, comp down. So, uh, this is their event where they just go, yeah, whatever, play whatever you want. But, um, the, the good thing is you have to have, they, ha- they make everyone have to have the real models and it all has to be painted. So, um, it's not just, you know, uh, they'll have like, uh, spaceships for hornets and that kind of thing. Cool. So. <laughs> Meow. <James. laughs> no, I'm very joking. But, uh, you, you know, you don't have, you don't that's have lots of, uh, you know, James. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. All right. I thought, I thought I saw a picture somewhere, but I couldn't, yeah. I can't that remember. That shit don't fly in the island, mate. You gotta remember. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Come over here. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, so people have actually got like Reaver Titan things. So it's nice. It's, it look, it looks cool and, uh, you, know, you don't get you don't get to play against them very often, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. And, or for very long, I'd imagine. No, no. I mean, there's this guys. I went down there on Monday to watch. Uh, I don't I don't really fancy playing. There's a guy playing with his Reaver army, and he played three times in two and a half hours, which I thought was pretty impressive. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, just, I'm just, really good at this game. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. Like the Reaver just kills three in turn easily. It's just it's pretty silly. Um, yeah. But if you get if you can get in combat with it. You can maybe kill it, but you're not. You gotta get there, and it's just almost impossible. If you're a strength ten thunderbolt cavalry guy, you might. Still fine. Cough, cough. Strength nine. Strength nine. <laughs> you, can, you can make them strength to now. I finally had a look at the wolf and stone. After go, why would I need furious charge? Yeah, strength uh, ten, baby. Strength ten, I'm checking. Yeah, well, all good. So that's all fantastic. Yeah. Myself, what have I been up to, seeing as no one's going to ask the Nobody question? Garrett, uh, Garrett. Hi, what have you been up to? Not much. <laughs> no, no, I have been up to much. I've been, I've been converting the last of my army for Caledonian Uprising, um, which I won't tell you what it is, because I'm going to win the whole damn thing. Well, mm. no, I'm not. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, and had the trophy event for my little football team, as I promised I would mention. And we got all the way to the final and lost on penalties. No. So another another year we've done pretty much exactly the same thing. Devastated boys until they realise they get another trophy for being second place. And it's all smart. It's not you, mate. So, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's what it is me. God, mate, mate. I was ruined on Sunday because I've been screaming. If you if you've ever had to deal with like seven eight year olds, lots of them trying to play a sport. Seven eight year olds. Is that seven or eight? Year? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Seven or eight year olds. Yeah, yeah. One day, mate, you'll see it's absolutely knackering, especially when they're not doing what they're told. She's all the time, and it's really important. It's like that with a Welsh team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's it's like an enthusiastic, not fat Welsh team. I feel really sorry for you having to deal with you know eleven children at once. It must be very difficult. Oh, mate. Yeah, you know. It... My my heart goes out to you and James, both as yeah. both as teachers. It's so hard not to swear. I think that's the hardest part. <laughs> Where the fuck are you going down that so much again? Or is this you just sitting there going, Come along, Timmy. Come yeah. on, you know what we said. Yeah. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, saying, go Timmy, for the ankles. I'm gonna segue <laughs> yeah. to Tyranids. And I'll Ooh. it's close enough, isn't it? That was good. That was good. You've done this yeah. before. I need to I like segue it. with you guys. So, Euclid Spores are now all the rage with five flying hive tyrants, it seems. I'm going to let Ramsey take the floor on this one as an ed specialist in the room. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just Ramsey wasn't listening. But, yeah. Well, no. Share the ball of iPhone, James. Go. Okay, so it's like a book, kind of like um, Santa Street, sure what it's called. Uh, San, yeah, whatever it's called, the campaign book. And so it's got some new rules in it for Tyranids that everyone saw before, like Mucolids and Sporocysts and Tyrannocytes and all the uh, other stuff. And then it had also um, a new detachment for Tyranids, um, which is like a an alternative to playing with the combined arms attachment, kind of like real space raiders. And then there was some formations in there, and there was the Death in the Skies, um, little 35-point upgrade things. Um, so quite a lot in a very small, quite a small book. Oh, actually, the book is massive, but it's quite a small set of rules and quite a big change, I think, to uh, to turn it especially, but... This Death in the Skies thing could also be quite interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what events do and don't allow that. Because I know Callie said they're going to be allowing all the Death in the Skies, but max of one model per army. Yeah. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's... Obviously, the rules are, it's normally... You normally get... If you're playing a Death in the Skies mission, you get one flyer for free. But if you're not playing a Death in the Skies mission, it costs 35 points to put make one flyer or flying vehicle. Uh, or flying on screen, sorry. Um... Uh, makes them a flyer race. And the flyer race, you roll the dice and you roll on your chip table, whichever uh, race you are, and you get that upgrade. Most of them are pretty meh, you know, 35 points for plus one wound. Mm, it's okay, it's not terrible, it's not bad. Um, but then some of them are a bit wacky, like either getting plus one invulnerable save, I think that's kind of good. And the, the, the Tyranid one is the one that I think people are uh, not, I'm not sure how, in, in paper it seems ridiculous, but I'm not sure how good it actually is in game. Uh, that's the one where the tyrant, uh, the tyrant, flying tyrant, or, or I guess you could give it to a crone, but you're not going to give it to a crone. Um, but you give it to a, a flyer, which you're going to see is going to be very popular. And, uh, on a, fi- uh, if you're all five or six, it means that whenever your opponent enters the shooting phase, if he's within 12 inches of the table edge, he can go into ongoing reserves straight away. So you basically never get a shooting phase at this fly ring because he's always in ongoing reserve, which is bizarre because it means basically you just then fly on, shoot again, hide near a table edge, and then as soon as your opponent tries to shoot, you just fly off again. Um, so it gives you a lot of flexibility with being able to like move around. And if he's your warlord, it makes killing him really, really difficult. Um, and it makes you able to reposition really easily because you don't have to run off the table or uh, you know fly off the table. So it's pretty good. I like, like in the fate with the one, the demons. I mean, the one or two is pretty rubbish having the vector strike reroll to wound or armor pen. But the other ones having either plus one invon or plus one wound on something like fate with a really good. Yeah, yeah, because plus one wound on a tyrant is nice. Five wounds is not bad, but plus, but fate with having like six, it's not like five yeah. wounds basically. Isn't it? So six wounds is uh, it's pretty nasty, and especially if if. Uh, there's still people still nerfing the two up and vulnerable rollable. Means he's really difficult to kill. Uh, still. Well, it means he doesn't need a grimoire. With, so. You can just curse to earth and then get him with a two up reroll anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so I think these are good. I think these are these are fun. I think most of them. I don't think you'll see them apart from uh, on those models. Really, uh, don't see. I mean, there's some debate. Can you take them on? Uh, God can't turn creatures, but we. Don't 
don't play any. We don't. We don't. No one here in the UK in tournament, normal tournaments plays with uh, these big models. So I don't think it's going to really matter. Um, you know, having something like some of these stupid demons or some of these silly, like, like a Harajan or something with a fighter uh, flyer upgrade would be pretty silly. But I don't think we're going to be in that situation. So uh, that's fine. And all the rest are just pretty thing. Uh, the marine ones are, are a bit bizarre. You know, like lots of uh, like you know. You can decide to make all units within 12 have hatred or something like that. You know, it's a bit uh, hard, hard to base a strategy on it, really. So I'm not sure if people want to pay 35 yeah, points. Yeah, I think that. the Flyers is a, a bit of some fun on the side. But I think what's got everyone really excited is the Leviathan detachment with the three HQ choices for Nids. Yeah. So that's three Hive Tyrants for most people. Yeah, the, the, so the, the, the detachment is a bit different from the normal one because you, you, uh, there's some sides and there's some upsides. The upside obviously is you have three, you have three HQ troops potentially, and, and you can take up to nine troops. Um, ten of troops are not great, so two troops are not so. But, but obviously flyers are a big deal and they, they, are, are very good. So having three of them suddenly without having to use up an ally slot or, uh, you know, that kind of thing is nice. And the only thing is you lose objective secured, which is annoying. <coughs> you also lose the Leviathan. If you're, if your warlord in the Leviathan detachment, he has to roll on the Leviathan warlord trait. It's not like the rest where you can pick on the strategic but not get a re-roll. He has to roll on the Leviathan one. And it's, the Leviathan one's not great. It's not terrible, but like half the results are from the Tyranid book and half of them are from the uh like kind of their own this new table that they kind of got and the bottom lot from the Tyranid book are not are the better ones from the Tyranid ones but it's still not strategic it's still not like there's one which gives him infiltrate but the strategic one is infil- him infiltrate and three units so that's clearly better um so it's it's a bit of a trade-off you also have to take three troop choices and which means you have to spend some more points on troops and you you cannot take because it doesn't have a fortification um, slot. It has a lot of war, which is not so useful, but it has a, doesn't have fortification. Uh, so you do get a lot. You do get a third HQ, which is good, but you also have to put up with those downsides, which oh, is where I think is, my heart is bleeding for. Yeah, them, so it sounds so, like a real terror. But I think it, I think it's a good it's a good choice. It means you have to decide between what you want to do. Now for Cali, that is a big deal. For most of the tournaments, though, they're not like GT. Oh, I'm not sure about GT. You know, but the some of the tournaments are not restricting. Like you can take a CAD first choice, and then you can take whatever you want as a second choice. So if you can take a normal Tyranid CAD, and then take the Leviathan as a second choice, you kind of get the both best of both worlds. You still get your objective secured, you still get your warlord trait, uh, you still get your fortification if you want it, but then you still get three extra tyrants. And I think people will take that. That Leviathan one will be really good as like a second allied, not even just for Nids, but like with other armies. Like putting in three flyers really good for a lot of armies, um, because they're they're quite they're quite they're relatively small and they they they're independent. They can just fly around and be annoying. And oh, the troop choices they have to take, obviously with the new Muk- uh, Mukalid, whatever they're called uh, Mukalid things, they uh, don't take up a lot of points, so it's good. Yeah, those hive turrets are complete dickheads, mate. Like. They've always been nasty, and now we get like five of them in a list. It's going to be yeah. You want to I've seen. Um, I've played with five. I like. So I was just going to say, some lists I've seen have been like three Heldrakes with three Hive Tyrants, or Fate Weaver, the two Demon Princes with three Hive Tyrants. 
I know what's that about? That's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, I use five flyerants, and it's brutal. It's really good, obviously. You know, no doubt about five flyerants. It's very good. It's over a thousand points, though, so it's a lot of points. Um, you don't get a lot else in the army, but uh, some armies can't deal with five flyers. at tough, you know, tough as six. No. Very well, it, even 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 armies that can deal with flyers is going to have a hard time dealing with five of them, aren't they? Yeah. So I yeah. think. Yeah, I think you're going to have situations where these, these it's going to throw a bit of a spanner in the works. Uh, I don't, I just, I don't see five flyerants winning. And I still think if you're going to use Maelstrom, think still Nid's always a little bit struggle with Maelstrom. Um, yeah, everything on the floor is dead, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, so you're kind of flying around and waiting for the game to end. And you're going to try and jump on it. So, yeah. so I think you might see people taking the uh, something with them to give them a bit of ground support. Maybe, um, maybe you know, uh, your normal Nid army has some ground stuff, and then you you have your th- you have all your five flyerants just trying to shoot them to death. Uh, also, two up save units are quite hard to kill with just flyerants because it's a, obviously AP dash, so you don't you, you're trying to kill yeah, like a riptide or something. You're getting a lot of psychic levels as well out of that, aren't you? Really? Yeah, you're getting uh, ten, 10 levels. levels. I mean, that's 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 enough. If you well, you either go big or go home, don't you? So you might not be playing. You might not get any psychic powers off against someone who really plays for psychic, or you're just dominating the psychic phase. Yeah, and you know, suddenly having ten chances at rolling feel no pain, which you're gonna have on two tyrants, is really good. Really good because uh, that um, was always difficult. But if you, have tyrants, you, you might not get it sometimes. And, but if you get it on, like, say, two tyrants, suddenly you've got four tyrants with Field yeah. of Pain flying around, which is really good. Well, and the Shriek, you know. Yes, I can Shriek. M- MSU is going to be quite big, I think, coming yeah, up. One of the things I've... Yeah. And five Shrieks. Another one of the things I've heard a couple of people mention is having Skyblight as the secondary for the Leviathan. So you can get four high tyrants, but then you get all your opposite gargoyles as well. And even more flying nids, so you get your crones and your harpies thrown in there too. Yeah, yeah, this could work. Um, again, it's very, it's one of those, it's one of those armies that's quite, uh, you know, hit and miss. It will do, it can really throw a spanner against some of these other armies that maybe, like, like say, Adamant and Lance or something. Uh, it might be like, oh god, how do I kill eight, seven, eight flyers? It's pretty difficult. Um, but I think some armies will kill that many or they can at least deny them space to land and so i'm not so sure Dif- difficult to uh to, to weigh that up really without lots and lots of games but i think people will take five flyers because it is yeah damn dirty um, with the uh with the haywire templates as well yeah pretty much guarantee it <laughs> haywire templates and i mean you can you can take five of them and you can still fit in three crones if you really want to go all out flyers yeah so you know having eight flyers flying about is is really lame, um, but and I don't know. By the way, it's it's decent on here. Good on. So that's Nids, pretty summed up. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing is that just the touch is just those fifteen point uh, spore things because they're so good. They're uh, obviously yeah, they're they're good for. They're obviously cheap and taking up your, 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 your. I mean, they can't do anything. Can't score. Can't contest. Uh, they can blow up and kill things, I guess. But the good thing is they don't give any DPs up either, so you, they don't care. You don't care if they die for first blood. Don't care if they die. Um, well, that's one's a bit devious, but yeah, I, I don't think they count for first blood. They don't count for um, v, you know, kill points. So you can have them, say, like you know, manning a bastion or manning a comms relay, 
or they can be, you know, hiding at the back of the table, and you can you can try and stop yourself from being tabled, kind of similar to what Sean Layden was describing, like, last week, in that Lictus Man, where he's keeping minimal stuff off, uh, on the board, sorry, and these, like, little 15-point guys are just shrouded, you know, with two-up cover saves just sitting about at the back of the table, holding your, holding your back line, waiting for all the stuff to turn up later on, which is a pretty good strategy. A bomb manning a comms, really. Yep. Fluffy dude. Yeah. He's got tentacles, not he? <laughs> well, there we go. And then the other half of the book is all the Blood Angels, which I'm sure most listeners will have seen. Uh, pictures online of a new Codex cover, some of the new models, and by the time this podcast goes out, there may even be a few more pictures here and there. So, what's with the bases, Matt? Have you heard uh, anything about this? I've just actually seen on Fate 212, apparently, someone's emailed in saying. Uh, I'm just about to do this army, blah blah blah. Uh, is this base going to be the norm? And the response they got was, uh, it was more the sculptors who thought they'd have a new base specific for the Death Company or looks like some of the tactical marines as well now, just so they look cooler and more imposing in their actual words. So it's more a design choice and. And, and the fact that it completely screws over independent uh, modelers who made all their custom bases, I'm sure that has mm. nothing to do with it at yep. all. Exactly. Oh, no one's so. buying their models from GW anymore, so GW just is like a base market. Just like Tyrannosite, yeah? Like, just like, because all those people with their uh, fake spawn, spawn pods that they had, let's just release something that's like double the size. A brand new base. Oh. To be fair, I think they look cool, but, you know, that's just me. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, if if it's legal for every space marine or whatever unit, then everyone's going to do it, aren't they? Because it's like, well, look at that extra squad coherency you've I got. I know it. You're going to do it. Well, it's I've, been mentioned for the ETC. I've seen already, um And they've basically said, screw it. If people want to put it on the new bases, they can. Otherwise, we're not making everyone change just for no. keep GTW happy. I'm just a bit, I don't know, a bit weird because... I think it should usually because that means you're going to have situations where some guys are going to be on bases, some guys aren't going to be on base. I think it's a lot weird. I think people I think it should be a consensus, like you either do everything with 25, 20, whatever, you know, 20 mils, or you do everything with these oh, new bases. It's a little bit harsh. I don't like this. I don't. It's gamey. It's, it's very been gamey. less than a week. It's been less than a week, and I've already seen an independent co- uh, company doing little um, discs, little kind of um, cutaway discs that kind of fit around. Uh, a normal base to make them into the larger base size. You buy <laughs> packs of like twenty. You just pop them inside for like a ten or something, and then you just pop them inside, and and then that that's the bigger size base. Yeah, that's pretty cool as an idea. Definitely, uh, some models, some of the some of the marine models, they do kind of spill over the bases, don't they? So it will be good. But they should stop making everything so fucking big, shouldn't they? Here's ridiculous. The amount of the amount of size increase has gone on in forty k lately. It's it's mad. I don't like yeah. it. I like those, mu- things. those mucolids are big, big. like this. Mucolid is bigger than a hive tire. Those little spores. <laughs> I know. And the tyrannosite. Oh my god! I saw one. One of my one of my mates, Bert from uh, from Oxford Gaming Club, bought a, bought a bucket load of them, and they are huge. And they are balanced on like a couple of small tentacles. Yeah. So this is an accident waiting to happen. Especially at Cali now, it's all going to be up down, up and down stairs. So someone's going to trip someone <laughs> up with five hive tyrants and a tyrannicide. It's going to be all over the place. 
they're going to need like a dumb weight or something just to yeah. just to, to protect everyone on the side, way. Yeah. But what a dumb waiter! Just moving up and down stairs and everything in general. I've got Andy as my dumb waiter. Come on, Matt. You're like you're like 11 years old. I mean, come on. Your your knees are fine going upstairs. It's my almost old. Screwed after, at the moment, but that. Third him off again, Mike. Whinging about his knee. Oh. Anyway, someone else has been yes. whinging about. Unless you're a demon player. Fate Weaver's new FAQ because he needed making just a little bit better. Because he needed to be able to summon, didn't he? I think I think it was pretty. I think it's a good change because everybody else can summon. So why can't he summon? I think it's a bit ridiculous that he was the only demon ever that couldn't it summon. Is. Even like blue scribes were in two different places. Yeah. He wasn't quite sure where who he was to be summoning, but he sorted himself out now. Even Tigerius can summon, so I don't see why Fate with the come. Yeah, it's he loves summoning. But yeah, it's just another one of those stupid summoning things, isn't it? Yeah, more summoning for everybody. <coughs> I'm not complaining. I've just bought loads of demons. Can we just ban that summon? Can we ban that stone? Can we just ban the spirit stone, please? Yeah, the summoning stone. Actually, no, don't ban it. Just say you can't use it for anything apart from Aerodactyl. It's like 40k herpes, isn't it? No, let me use it for science. So just say just... they can't use it malefic, and then it fixes a lot of problems. Prescience. I just... I don't know. I, just, I don't think every spell apart from Aerodactyl... Not designed for user ending apart from Elder. I think it should be banned. For you talk about designed it's as if they thought about it. 15 points. It's great. 15 fucking points. It's really balanced, James. Shut up, Elder player. It's, that's, I mean, I don't like wave yeah. serpents undercosted quite a bit, but those that item is just fucking stupid. Really, it just like I was saying before to some guys, it's like every list you make, you're like, why not? Why not just spend 130 points and put this guy in there? Because he guarantee he'll get you'll get off two, you'll cut make two units, and there you go, there's your points back, and then you've got your little demon factory going at the back. It's got, you know, stupid knights of models. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, all you need to summon is like say two or three units of plague drones, and it's just, it's just insane. I mean, that, like I said, I was summoning with bloody Tiggy with Centurions. It's just this guy is just even better though. Just, but there's no there's no risk either because it's he's not going to die. He's not going to perils. He's casting really reliably. Uh, he's invisible. Well, he's not invisible, but he's shrouded, isn't he? The reroll or something ridiculous. Yeah, if you if you give him the mantle, yeah, he gets a. Reroll on his uh, ES shrouding and can jink for a two up rollable. So yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, yeah, especially eighteen fifty. Yeah, I think this. You either take you either take him with the mantle or you take him. You take some uh, Val engines to hide him in if you feel like you want to hide him in there. It depends on the situation. Stupid Eldar. I mean, it's a it's a you know, well done for people who are starting to work it out, and I'm sure they'll it'll do really well. It's just unfortunate you're going to see a lot of demons. Well, I know it's got the uh, Jesse Newton's backing, as I'm sure that anyone who's on the Facebook page has seen the the lovely Kim Kardashian break the internet post that we've got. Post. It's amazing. Going on a t-shirt. It's so going on a t-shirt, which will be available to buy soon, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to feel horrible wearing one, but so good at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what? Have we made We're making this thing? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's brilliant. And they're all going to be flesh coloured as well, guys. 
Oh, I think. You tattoo. You're getting me a white one then, from being the flesh coloured. <laughs> like Luke's white. Ginger flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to get nipples on the front of them as well? Like the Blood Angels. Dawn Nice. Yes. Very good. Except we can't cut yours off. <laughs> File them down. They've been filed down already. Hi all, joined here by Captain America himself, Andrew Gonyo. Hi Andy. Hey Matt. So you're here just to do some brief coverage on the Renegade GT, which was what date now? So Renegade GT was, uh, I should say, last weekend, but I'm not sure this is a broadcast. It was the 22nd, 23rd of November. Cool, and just give us a little bit of background on that event, where it is, what points, what missions, that kind of thing. Yeah, so Renegade GT runs out of uh, the Fantasy Flight Games uh, headquarter location, basically, out in Minnesota, right outside of Minneapolis. Um, it's been running, I want to say this is their second or third year. Uh, it's my first year attending, because I'm on the East Coast, so uh, I flew out there. Uh, it's 1850. Uh, it's a win-loss event, and uh, it runs missions that are just slightly modified from the Bay Area Open missions, which are run on the West Coast. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was a little bit of an odd format. They definitely had some stuff they can improve for future years, but it was a good event. It had about 60 people, which I think is what they've had in the past, so they're looking to expand. Cool, so you said that was at the Fantasy Flight Center, who are a bit more famous for X-Wing rather than 40k, over here yep. especially. Uh, what's the venue like there? Uh, that is the most amazing game store I've ever been in. and I've been in a few of the Games Workshop bunkers back in the day when they existed. Um, that game store's awesome. The ceilings are like 30 feet. It's... Uh, incredibly clean they have just an enormous amount of gaming space and product space they have a huge back room which is what was rented out for the event and on top of that at the front of the uh the shop they have a a bar slash mini restaurant that'll do like you know wings sandwiches burgers things like that as well as having beer on tap so it was uh it was pretty cool sounds pretty good because i know that's a lot of places seem to be missing these days is a bar actually in the gaming center yeah i'm not sure how you guys are with your events over there because i know or at least i've heard that in the uk you have much more um your gaming videos are much more like club venues right yeah well we've got a few dedicated venues such as sanctuary gaming or northwest gaming center which have a bar or get licenses to serve for the weekend or i know any events i run we run it in a bar so that's yeah so a bonus. Pretty rarely we'll have them in a bar over here. It, it's happened once or twice that I've been to. Um, but typically it's wherever has an event space because game stores just don't have the room. So, you know, we'll rent out something in a hotel or they'll rent out like a local um, VFW, which is a Veterans Foreign Wars place. So local halls and things. So generally there's no beer, no food, nothing like that. It's just a, a space. Yeah, because I think with you guys having a lot bigger events in general, it is a little bit harder but that's probably more of a topic for another time. We're too much into that right now. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your, what you're running? I think you said to me personally it was somewhat similar to your Du Bois list. 
Yep, so both Du Bois and uh, the Renegade GT required pre-submission of lists, which isn't typical. I don't know if it is for you guys. Um, so I got lazy. My Du Bois list was due, I want to say, right around November 1st, and my Renegade list was due November 6th, so I just used the exact same identical list. Um, to give a quick recap, it's Tau Tau. Um, one Ion Riptide, one Burst Tide, uh, two units of Piranhas, um, a couple units of Crute, unit of Crisis Suits with some Missiles, a uh, couple Sky Rays, a uh, couple Commanders, and a Sniper Drone Team. So it's just kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, both events allowed some Forge World. Um, du Bois, you could have one Forge World unit. Um, Renegade, you could have as many Forge World units as you wanted, though I believe they were 0-1, all of them, so you can only take each one once. Uh, du Bois was two sources, if I'm remembering right, and Renegade was... I believe it was still two sources, but the things that counted as sources, as we know, army construction is weird nowadays, uh, was a little bit different. So I just took basic Tau Tau, no Forge World, nothing fancy. Cool. So a lot of stuff people are generally seeing over here, but the Piranhas may start for some was a bit of a odd choice, not quite the norm. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit why you took them and what kind of role they do for you? So the piranhas, I think my favorite role out of them is that my opponent typically walks up the table and looks at it and kind of gives him this weird look and goes, what's that? Um, I think that's their best use. Once I explain they're a piranha, they usually say to me, oh, so they all have fusions. And I go, nah, just burst cannons. And then they get really confused, and I think that's that's kind of the best part. Um, piranhas are just another source of uh, extra shot volume. They're cheap. You know, it's 40 points for a piranha, two gun drones detach. Um you get great value that way. Um, I want to say, if you're getting a gun drone any other way, they're 12 points, other than the, the units themselves. So, you know, you're getting 24 points of drones out of each piranha. It means you're paying 16 points for a, a, an AV-11 fast skimmer. So it's just it's just a mobile element. It can screw around with people and block things. It's just annoying. And we say you guys have Maelstrom or you don't at these events? Because I guess they'd be pretty good for things like that. Uh, yeah, they would be pretty good for things like that. So Du Bois GT, which we've already talked about a bit, does not use Maelstrom. Um, they have their own kind of set of missions they do. It's a battle point event. Uh, Renegade, on the other hand, uses Baria Opens Maelstrom. And, I, and I'm reluctant to even call it Maelstrom. I, I like their missions, but they really aren't Maelstrom. So they have six things that are possible. And it's the same pretty much every mission. And you roll uh, at the start of every turn. Um so let's say me and you are playing. I roll two dice at the start of my turn. I get a one and a four. I have to do objectives one and four that turn, which objective one would be score objective one. Number four would be, I remember right, kill an infantry unit. That's what I'm doing that turn. At the end of that turn, those disappear. And at the start of my next turn, I roll two dice again, and that's what I'm doing that turn. Um, so it's very different than actual Maelstrom. It's some of the same concept of rolling to see what you get, uh, it's not really the same thing in that Maelstrom itself, the cards get drawn, they go away. You know, I could roll 1-2 every turn on the Barry Open missions and get score objective 1 and 2 every turn. Um, that's not possible in actual Maelstrom because those cards discard. So, uh, they have, yeah, so they have quasi-Maelstrom at Renegade. Um, they do not have anything like that at Du Bois. Cool. So, that's what you're running and the mission. So, moving on to your game one. What was the mission, and who was it you were playing that round? So the mission in game one, 
man, I'm, I'm going to have to dig into my memory. The mission in Game 1 at Renegade was uh, a modified Emperor's Will. So it was uh, Emperor's Will, and then it had that Maelstrom that I just described. Uh, in this one, I played kind of a classic Necron build. It had no Forge World, uh, nothing too fancy there. It had, um, you know, a couple sites with Haywire Techs. I think one had an Abyssal Staff Flamer instead. Uh, it had a Barge Lord. It had three Annihilation Barges and some Wraiths. So it's kind of like your classic Kron build. Um, it was actually kind of a pain because the Barge Lord ended up getting up four times on me. So with Tau, you know, shooting at AV-13 is a little hard because I have very little that's over Strength 7, so I'm not dropping the Quantum Shields. And I can't really push into his zone until the Barge Lord stays down because if not, he just jumps up and, you know, whack-a-mole's a Riptide or something with a War Scythe falls down and gets up again. So since he never stayed down during the game, it kind of was this weird stalemate. Um... And Maelstrom started out heavily in his favor because he rolled uh, score his objective and he rolled six, which was have a bunch of units in your own deployment zone and no enemy. And so I wasn't there yet, so we had an early lead on Maelstrom, which is something that happens when you only have six things that you roll for and you can get the same ones over and over again. Um, so it was it was an interesting game. I ended up just being able to kind of flank out on him and contest his objective. Actually, I believe with the Piranhas in the last turn. So uh, it ended up being a win for me. Um, but he was a he was a good opponent. Was that a max point win then, or just a small one? Um, so it's win loss. I want to say it's it's out of ten points. They do record battle points for tiebreakers. Oh, okay. uh, I want to say it was either a nine or a ten. I was pretty much at max throughout the event until game. I want to say five or six when I ran into uh the parts of Stronghold Assault that I didn't know existed. Uh, fair enough. So, uh, was this just a straight win loss with one winner at the end undefeated, or could there be two because of numbers? Um, there could. So originally, and this this is something I'll get into. Renegade will have to work on this for next year. Uh, so this year, uh, they expected to have more than sixty four people. So they said that, um, and of course, the sixty four people uh, after three games, you have eight people that are three and out. Um. But they thought they'd have more, so in their packet they said there will be a game four that doesn't count for anything, but will decide who the top eight are that go on to play day two. The rest of the field that is not in that top eight get entered into basically an RTT, which just basically means the rest of the field plays a separate three more games the next day. But we only had 64 people. So at the end of game three, we had eight undefeated people who were then forced to play another game against the guys who were nine to 16, who had a loss, and actually half of the three and got knocked out. <laughs> and they were right. not too happy about that, because that game for them was just another game to stay in. It had no benefit. So they actually got knocked out, even though they'd got through? Well, yeah, they'd gotten through, but they still had to play game four, and then half of them got knocked back at the RTT, even after they'd won three games. And actually, they, they did a mispairing, and they corrected it. Uh, but the guy I beat in game three... When they put up pairings for game four, the one that didn't count, it was the same guy. And he was like, I know your tricks now. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> cool. So, so they just, switched it. But... Just before we get to that then, uh, let's quickly do game two and three. And then we can go into that in detail. Yeah, so game two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blank on the mission a little bit. Uh, I believe it was kill points and objectives. Um, yeah, something like that. In any case, I was playing against just a really all-out. It was uh, William Bryce from uh, Indiana area, I believe Indianapolis. Um, 
So his list was a Knight Castigator, which I had... So on the East Coast, I should give a little bit of background in the U.S., we really play with barely any Forge World. Our West Coast is very open about Forge World, and in the middle, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, it turns out they really went to people have embraced Forge World, and I had no idea what a Knight Castigator did. Um, so I played against him. He also had uh, a full Thunderwolf star with two or three Iron Priests, a Wolf Lord, Thunderwolves, Shields, Fists, uh, some puppies for extra wounds, all that stuff. And he had a Wraith Knight and two Wave Serpents. So it was rough. So he, uh, if I remember right, he got first turn. I did not seize on him. And he rushed up, kind of as expected. Uh, that's what his army does. And I used the some of the uh, units in my armies, like drones and piranhas, they didn't care about as much, to jump up, intercept the charge, block it so he couldn't get through on turn two to make a charge against the units that I really cared about, and just started picking away at his units. Um, it ended up that I think he had... When the game ended, I want to say he had five Dire Avengers left, and that was it. No, wait, no, no. No, it went to turn six, and I believe I tabled him. Um, it's just, it was one of those armies, and I've seen a lot of players doing this nowadays, that um, it's all in your face, and so their game really decides upon how good their turn two is. Do they make their key charges, or do they have to suffer another turn of shooting? Um, and that's, that's really what he fell victim to. Uh, so... He came at me. Uh, my sniper drones picked off the Wraith Knight. Um, I cast Shots Aura with my Ethereal. Uh, the gun drones were putting out 30-something shots. You know, it's three each. Um, I had, you know, BS5, Twin Link. I had them Crisis Suit unit. I just threw everything into his Thunderwolf Star. Killed the Wraith Knight with the sniper drones and uh, I believe a Sky Ray or two. And then left his Cat Knight Castigator alone because it just wasn't something I could deal with quickly. So on turn two, he only had a couple Iron Priests and, like, I think his HQ and, like, one Wolf left, which was, like, half of his star. Um, so that charged in, killed my blocking units. Um, then on turn three, I was able to mop up his Thunderwolf star. And then the, the Knight Castigator just kept kind of punching things. I didn't realize he did a Strength 10 AP2 to everything in base contact twice. Um, that was an education. And uh, he played it well. He probably should have played it a little defensively, and we, we talked about that after the game. So he was a, he was a really good guy and a, and a fun opponent. We talked about ways that he could have kind of uh, taken away my shooting on the first turn, which would have been interesting if it would have went differently. And that was, I think, a 9 out of... No, it was a 10 out of 10, because it was a tabling. So was that more using your piranhas and little units just to block and buy extra turns of shooting for everything else? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the drones will do that, too. I've done that with sniper drones at boys. Um, kind of, you know, with, with Tau, you don't want, like, your suits and your buff commander and the very obvious stuff, your riptides, to get charged by things like Thunderwolves. But you kind of don't care if, you know, drones or piranhas do. So if you can just set up a wall that buys you a turn, cool, it works. Um, I'm not going to argue that piranhas are the best choice in the world, but they certainly are a lot of fun. Decent enough sized models to get annoyingly in the way as well, I guess. Ah, uh, there's something to be said for annoying your opponent. <laughs> yeah, always messes with the game plan a little bit. So, going well after game two, then on to game three. So, game three was a really, really rough match. So, this was against, I believe, Kyle Thompson, if I remember right. And he was running uh, two Imperial Knights, uh, both the Battle Cannon ones, uh, and Tau. So, then he had. Three Riptides, all with, uh, you know, one with Burst Cannon, two with Ion, 
all with SMS. Um, three solo Tetras, which are really good. Um, a couple Fire Warrior units, because he had to. Ethereal, because he had to. And uh, three solo broadsides. And I believe that was everything. So it, it's challenging for my army, because Imperial Knights, I can handle one or two, kind of. You know, I can try and stall one. I can kind of take one down with a couple turns of shooting. Um, but two plus saves are really difficult for me. Uh, and I and I made a bit of an error in deployment here. Uh, this was, remembering, it was Hammer and Anvil, and it was uh, Scouring. So Hammer and Anvil Scouring. Uh, the objectives, we pretty much mirrored each other. It was a modified Scouring, so you each got... 1, 2, and 3, and the mission dictated where you had to place it. Your high-value one, I believe, had to be in no man's land. Uh, your 2 had to be, like, in your opponent's zone. So you, it, it kind of clusters the objectives closer to the center, because when you put stuff in his zone, you're not going to put it all the way in the back for him, and he's going to do the same thing to you. So stuff's more near the center, which is bad, considering he has Riptides and Knights. So uh, the 2-plus saves was difficult, because on the first turn I misdeployed a little bit, and my sniper drones just got blown away. Um... I think I lost, like, five or six of them. I was kind of depending on stealth, to be perfectly honest. Um, and he shot into them, and I just rolled terribly on my saves. I think I took eight wounds and lost, like, five or six sniper drones, and I had a three up or four up against all of it. Um, but what it did is it made it so that the Riptides now were rushing forward alongside both of his Imperial Knights. Um but I managed to just block off his Imperial Knights and stall them around some impassable terrain with piranhas and drones again um, and pick apart his army. Uh, since it was scouring, I was able to get more points from the Tetras, which were really easy to get points from because of the fact that I had that crisis suit with the buff commander um, and missiles. So I could use that and split fire and just grab a bunch of free points off that. Uh, the piranhas, after they got banged up enough, just ran, just ran away to hide. And... Uh, Ended up pulling out a win on him. I believe I got a 9, uh, but that doesn't really show how close the game was, because the game was very close, you know. I managed to get a first turn on him, so I got was able to kill a knight turn 1. I think I racked both sky rays into him, shot 16 of the tank hunting, twin-linked ignore cover missiles, and a burst tide to kill the knight. Um, so that limited what he had to rush me, but uh, it was it was a tight game because I really had no way to deal with the 2 plus save Riptides after the Sniper Drones went down on turn 1. So that was game 3. As you briefly mentioned before, it should have been the top 8 going forwards, but they had the extra game thrown in there, which meant, I suppose it gave some people a chance who had missed a game to get back in with a fighting shot, but a few were a bit upset, you said. Yeah, so now the the weird thing was is, of course, the eight people that are 3-0 and are like, sweet, I moved on! And then the event's like, no, you didn't. You still got to play one more game. Um, and to their credit, you know, we, we gave them some feedback, and they said, oh, yeah, we, did, we thought we were going to have more than 64 people, so we thought this would be necessary. They're going to add in a sentence in future years that says, game four will only be played if there are more than 64 people. Was that so, all on uh, the same day as well, was it? Yeah, it was on the same day. So uh, they had a lot of issues with pairings. Um, I think it came down to they didn't meet with us. They were using Torn of Fire at first, and I, they didn't really meet with Chip beforehand as far as I know. Um, 
to really set up what they wanted for their tournament. And so I think there was some miscommunication there. They couldn't get Torn of Fire to do exactly what they wanted. Um, and so they ended up trying to do a few repairs, uh, pen and paper. A lot of them didn't work out. Uh, one of them had me playing my last round's opponent. Some of them were just missorted. Uh, you know, it's the typical struggles of an event as they try and change software. Uh, the guys at the Renegade really handled it all in stride. They did a great job with it. Um, they made the best of kind of a bad situation. Uh, there were still some errors at the end of the day. I think there was, unfortunately, there was a 3-0 and that for some reason didn't get to play that game. So he just got schlocked out, which sucks. Um, but they apologized, and I believe they, they kind of made it right as best they could for the guy later on. Because um, I don't think it really got found out till later. Um, yeah, so then we played... Game four, and it lasted until like ten, because <laughs> there was so much uh, mess with the pairings. And that was probably that... is a is a heads up to all events. If you're going to be using any sort of new software that you aren't too familiar with, contact them. <laughs> yeah, was that a three hour round? Was it or two and a half? Uh, two and a half. Ah, any issues with time at all? Or... No, and it was odd. So on the East Coast, I find that players really do have issues with two and a half hour rounds. You know, games are ending on four or five. At best. Yeah, I think um, we have that over here, and we do 16.50 sometimes, so... And I, I don't know if it's a culture thing. Uh, you know, East Coast, the meta is very different. The players are very different. Um, there's a lot more reluctance to make decisions, I find, in the East Coast, because um, people are very concerned, since it's typically more win-loss environment. Um, they're more concerned with making mistakes. They, they unintentionally or intentionally, they stall a lot. Um, they need a minute to think. They need a minute to think. And it's really not high model count that does it, it's it's that. So, but, you know, I got to a natural finish in every game I played. I had I had one, my game six, which was, you know, five. My game, I don't know, one of those games. It was not the most enjoyable game I'd ever played. And uh, it barely made five, um, which is kind of rough. Because you, you do need to hit random game length in these things. But uh, by and large, you know, all my games finished early. I don't think any players really had issues with time out there, which is which was interesting. Yeah, that's good to hear. So that was game four. That was three. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, so we were just about to start game four, which is the game that shouldn't have been. The game that should have never been. So we start game four, and uh, I'm paired up against a Tyranid player. So I'm pretty excited about that, because Tau usually do some work on Tyranids. And uh, I'd had three hard games already, so I didn't really want another. Uh, he was a great guy, a good sport. He uh, he chose to deploy against me pretty aggressively, even though I had first, which was a which was a mistake. Uh, he had a Malanthrope, which was a lot better than I thought it was. Um, I thought it was a Venomthrope, and I would just like you know kill it with an SMS and move on with life. Um, but I couldn't kill it the first turn. But unfortunately, you no. Know, so he had two Flyrants, a uh, Turvagon, a Malanthrope. Um, two crones, uh, two exocrines, I believe it was. And they were all sort of castled around a Malanthrope, and he had two ruin, big ruin pieces of cover on his side, so, you know, he had two plus cover everywhere. Um, but since I was getting to go first, he wasn't flying yet, and, you know, I used the, the missile suit unit with Monster Hunter to just completely blow away one flyrant. Six marker lights went into the other flyrant who then was downed in short order by uh, sniper drones. And then a Skyray put two hits on a crone, and I think it was a 
Riptide or something killed the crone. You know, a burst tide with Earthcast Pilot Array. So he was passing his Nova and had 12 shots on it. So start of my turn one, I killed two Flyerants, which one was his Warlord, and a crone. And he was uh, he was sad. So the game kind of went downhill from there. He tried to make a game of it, but it just... Uh, it was it was a bridge too far. I just kind of shot him up, and I think he was over on four. So nice easy end to the day, then. So. A nice easy end of the day, and then my good friend Brad Townsend, Hulk Smash Online, was unfortunately one of the uh, the victims of round four. He uh, he was playing against Kyle Thompson, the guy I had just played, and he was playing Nids Demons FMC list, and uh, got taken out by Kyle Thompson, who then ended up making top eight. <laughs> Nice. So the guy you beat managed to sneak his way back in. By beating the guy I was staying with. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an interesting journey back to the hotel. Yeah. Was there any night out or anything, or just food and chill since it was so late? No, it was late. So so Brad actually was the friend I was visiting in the area, so he lives right around there. So we, we went, got a steak on the way home, and uh, had a good night relaxing with a couple folks, and then called it a day. Because the next day began, I want to say, we had to be back there by 8. Ah, nice early start, so can't go too wild, but... Yeah. I'm sure it wouldn't stop some people. <laughs> no, it wouldn't, and we'll hear from them in a bit. <laughs> yeah, so... Game 5 was against... Uh, and I had never played this before, so this is a fact question that I have now, but it was against Tyler DeVries, who was a really great player. He was a good sport. Um, he played Grey Knight, Space Marine, Scent Star, so multiple Dread Knights, Ascent Star, Tiggy, Drago, Libby, all that sort of stuff. It was Relic and Vanguard deployment. So the weird thing was that he had a fortification with his escape hatch. And he places the fortification, of course, right at his 12. I mean, right at his deployment zone edge. Deploys the escape hatch right next to the Relic. Um, which I don't think you can do thinking back on it. Um, and I don't, I, it's not like he cheated or anything. He thought you could do it, and it's probably an argument that you can. But thinking back on it, I'm not sure you can deploy an escape hatch outside of your deployment zone during deployment. That's a very interesting point. I've actually just got my Stronghold book next to me, so I'll just have a quick look, see if I can find it. Yeah, the thing is, the Stronghold Assault just says, when the building's first occupied, place the escape hatch within 12 inches. But it's the same thing as like a comms relay placed within 3 inches of Bastion. It's still a piece of the fortification. It should still have to be in your deployment zone, I think. But in any case... He yeah, used that. You could argue either way. Yeah, he used that as you could expect to, since he had first turn, uh, and his his Tigurious power rolls were ridiculous. So his Tigurious power rolls, he gets first turn, he gets pick of deployment sides, and then Tigurious rolls on his first roll invisibility. On his second roll, he wants to go for ignores cover, which he hits on his first try, and then he's like, you know what? I'm gonna roll biomancy and gets endurance. And I'm just like, hmm, this is gonna be rough. His librarian picks up Misfortune and Presience and Precog, and Granite Librarians are two plus saves. That's great. Um, and that's how the game began for me. So he deploys out of his escape hatch on turn one with Drago on the Relic, who picks it up, and is 12 inches from my deployment zone of the whole Scent Star, which was a blast. Um, it was a back-and-forth game. I had a big piece of terrain right at the front of my deployment zone because his player plays terrain at this event. So I was able to kind of jump back and forth off of it, which completely blocked line of sight to him with my crisis suit unit. So he was able to dig into some other stuff 
with his Scent Star, but he wasn't able to do a ton of damage. Because um, Scents just aren't that good against things like Piranhas, because, you know, lots of hole points, I'll jink. Um, and he needed to keep up his defensive powers, so he wasn't uh, getting any Norse cover off in the later turns. So it just, it, it didn't do a whole lot. He still gutted a lot of my army, but um, he came at me. And so he came at me, and he acknowledged this was a mistake at the end of the game, but he came at me because apparently he didn't realize that the relic is now an objective. So he's just walking objective closer so and closer to he's walking that relic towards me and trying to just gut my army. And over the course of the game, you know, I killed his other stuff. Um, there were still two objectives involved other than the relic, but one, he has a fortification next to it with a unit in it. So he's got that. Mine's in my backfield. I've got that. So it's really coming down completely to Relic. Um, he's walking it towards me. He's killing stuff. I'm picking away at his Scent Star enough that he has to keep up Invis and Endurance, things like that, in order to stay alive. So his damage output's a little lower. Uh, one Dread Knight scattered and killed itself. I killed the other one. Um, so the game's kind of down to the Relic, and I have bottom. Uh, and right before the game ends, I just move, run, and thrust a Crisis Suit unit stand them directly next to Drago, and I'm like, that's game. He's like, what? And I'm like, oh, I thought you knew. Um, so I stole it from him by uh, by contesting the relic. That being said, if it would have went on to six, Drago had one wound left, Tiggy had one wound left, and there was one Centurion Sergeant left with one wound. So if it went on, um, he was probably in rough straits anyways. But, uh, yeah. Remember, folks, the relic is an objective, and if you're obsec, you can steal it from Drago. Yeah, I've had a few people at events I've been to go, oh, crap, I did not know that one. Uh, you did mention player place terrain. Uh, yeah. Is that basically you come up to the board, all terrain's on, roll a dice, start placing it randomly before the game? Yeah, so basically it's is just like... after you know sides or before you know sides? Uh, so you so what you do is there's six pieces of terrain in this case, is what a lot of events are doing. Um, you roll dice to see who gets which side. You pick your deployment zone, right? Next, the person that picked places the first piece of terrain. So I pick the first piece of terrain and I place it. So we already know sides when we're placing it, but you know, the terrain can't be within X inches of each other or of the board edge, so you can kind of block people out a little bit. And I actually really like player place terrain. It only eats up. I've only ever had it eat up maybe two to three minutes at the very most. Um, and it adds some variety. You know, as, to Nova's credit, they have a really solid format that's tr tested. But to me, it always feels a little bit um, repetitive, so, probably because I play in the area, so I play in so many games of it, when you have terrain that's all kind of static. So I like the, the moving terrain. Adepticon does it. Uh, most other events don't. Uh, most people, I think ETC even didn't do player plays terrain, so... You know, it's kind of to each their own. Cool. Interesting to hear that, because uh, I don't think any event I know of over here does so. Uh, do you also place objectives before or after sides with the terrain? or? Uh, I believe it's after terrain. Oh, so you know your sides when you know your objectives. Yeah, you know your sides, you know where the terrain is, and then you do objectives. Um, it actually works out really well. The only thing that you have to be careful with is... On a board, you need to make sure you have a roughly balanced set of terrain. You can't have, like, one godlike piece of terrain and five pieces of poop. Because um, if you do that, you know, the guy who gets to pick terrain first and already knows his side is like, I'll take the two-foot-by-two-foot two ruin. Sweet. And then every, the other guy gets, you know, some crappy little pieces of scatter terrain. 
But if events know they're doing player placed and they put, you know, two buildings, two hills, two forests, and maybe two little pieces on the board, it really ends up very fair. And then you kind of have a different shifting boardscape every game. Interesting point. So that was game five, five. on to six then in the semifinals. So I'm in the semifinals and I'm playing a guy that uh, probably not the best game of 40 game I've ever played. Um, we had we had a few rules disagreements. Um, and his army was something I, I probably wasn't used to, which probably soured me a little more, uh, than I intended. But, you know, so we generally don't play with anything from Stronghold Salt, uh, in my typical East Coast mindset. Um, you know, we don't play with the extra upgrades. Escape Hatch was a surprise to me, uh, but it was okay. I mean, I figured it out. Um, but he was playing with Adamantine Lance, two Guard Blobs, and a Void Shield Generator. So this game is unfortunately Hammer and Anvil, and it's a it's a mission called Mark for Death. So in Mark for Death, in order to score it, it's the primary set of points. So basically, if you get it, you win. Um, you have to mark three units in your opponent's army list. You have to kill all three of those to win primary. If you don't kill all three of them, you don't get any points for primary. So I can mark Guard Blob, Guard Blob, or Adamantine Lance. And it's Hammer and Anvil, so there's an Adamantine Lance rushing me, and there's a Void Shield Generator, and all of the Guardsmen shoved all the way back in his zone. Did the Lance count as one unit for that, then? No, it counted as three separate units, but still, killing three knights that are part of a Lance formation with a shooting army is kind yeah. of ridiculous. So that mission seems really heavily skewed, not the best concept. Maybe early on in the rounds, but not for a semi-final game. No, it was it was a pretty terrible concept. If if I were them, I would remove that mission in the future. Um, it just it led to games being very matchup dependent, and on top of that, I didn't realize the void shield generator. Uh, if any unit has a model within twelve inches of it, they just get it. So my only units that could so I marked some of his guard units. You know, I marked a Minostorm priest because I had precision shots on some of my stuff. I marked some of the smaller units like the PCSs, platoon command squads because I thought, well, I can pick those off, maybe. So, you know, I outflank Kroot, I bring up Piranhas, I skip over the Knights. Well, that's lovely, but, you know, okay, I did 20 Strength 5 wounds. All of them resolve against an AB12 shield. You do nothing. So that kind of sucked. Um, so basically, I couldn't touch his guard part, and I couldn't advance my anti-tank stuff to really touch his guard part, because uh, there were three Knights rushing me. And that's basically what the event, what the game came down to. Three knights from Adamantine Lance rushed me. I tried to stall them as best I could. I did, I think, ten hull points to one of them, and he only failed two four pluses. And only two of those were during a reroll phase. That thing split off. We just passed them all, and then he made it into my army and just stomped through it. Um, literally. Uh, and that was pretty much the game. I took a I took a good schlacking, and I'm still pretty sour about it. <laughs> So you got penned in the corner, trying to kill an army the other side of the board, which ignored half your shots. Yeah, and it didn't then... go too well. I think I killed like a total of like 15 guardsmen and did four hull points before my army was basically tabled by Lance. <laughs> nice. Uh, do you think in another mission, possibly a more general one, you would have had a better shot at that, or was it just a bad matchup in general with... Uh, I think it's a terrible matchup in general, but I think in a different mission, I would definitely have a chance. You know, if it were objectives, I could play it differently. If it were kill points, I could play it differently. But it being marked for death and the only units that ever get exposed to me are Adamantine Lance. And Adamantine Lance in general, I'm kind of a fan of banning because you can handle it sort of in a matchup environment like ETC. 
But in a general tournament environment, while it's not going to win events, and so you can say, well, look, it didn't win, it's not broken. What it does do is it shuts out any army that really plans on dealing with knights with shooting. I think you have to be mobile to get around the size. Like Eldar and Oak do it pretty well. When you've got something like Tau, some armies there's like I'm going head on. You're like, oh, I yeah, can't if get you can this. if you can beat Imperial Knights in combat, there's very few things that can. You're okay. And if you're Eldar, so you can battle focus and ignore the rules of the game, you're also okay. Any other army that plans on shooting knights is pretty boned. Um, yeah, it's not an easy one. Which is, which I don't think is the intent. I think knights are fine in regular 40k. I don't think adamantine lances. Um, but that's just one man's opinion. Um, I'll still play again against it if events allow it. Um, I'll campaign to get the void shield generator banned because I'm sour. <laughs> sour old man. Basically, I like to blame my losses on things that don't involve me. So that was you out of the event. Did you play a game seven or just call it? Quick so I did now? play a game seven. Um, I had a great game against a guy from Indianapolis, Justin Curtis. So we were playing for third or fourth. Um, spoiler alert, I lost. Um, so I'm playing against a demon army. It's got Screamer Star, it's got Bellacore, and it's got Fate Weaver and another Zinch Demon Prince, and then some horrors and other crap. Um, it was a really rough game. His his starting powers, that Zinch Demon Prince had two graders and rolled the one and the two. So he had plus one wound, it will not die, and four plus feel no pain. Yay. Um, Fate Weaver rolled Precog and Iron Arm, and, uh, he got three Cursed Earths, and I, and everyone else pulled Summoning, of course, as the Primaris, but he was pulling Cursed Earths in the first, so it was rough. Um, I tried to fight him as best I could. Um, I downed Fate Weaver on, like, turn one or two, because he didn't buff him. Um, but from there, I just, I put up a good fight, but he passed saves, and those Demon Prince just rampaged through my army. On turn three, I realized it was going really, really south and just had my whole army scattered to the four corners of the board. Let him chase me until five because my plan was just try to be alive at the end of the game. And I had bottom of the game, so uh, it was an objective mission. There were three objectives, and I tried a really janky trick on him, which was actually pretty fun. I got to see the look of horror in his eyes as he realized he might lose. Um, So at turn five, bottom, I have... A Riptide and two Piranhas left. That's it. I've killed ten Horrors and Fate Weaver. So I'm doing splendidly. <laughs> um, so I charge... So there's three objectives. He has an Obsec unit and a Bastion controlling one. He has nothing on objective three. And on objective two, I have two Piranhas, both of them three inches. So in his turn three, he moves... His Screamer Star unit, he has to turbo it over to get within three inches of the objective two. Um, My Riptide charges a Bastion, blows it up, and forces his unit to get out on the far side away from it. So now I've contested objective one because the Riptide did this, I think, on turn four and got charged. Um, So the Riptide's sitting there with a unit, but it's contesting objective one. Uh, Objective two is contested, objective three is open. And he's just trounced me on Maelstrom because I've been running away, not trying to play Maelstrom, just trying to not die. And so at the end of the at the end of turn five, he's kind of like, well, well, sorry. And what he thinks is the end of turn five, he's like, you want to call it? And I'm like, no, no, no. I have a crazy trick for you, sir. If I roll a one on either of these two dice, I win the game. And he's like, what are you talking about? So I take my two piranhas, which are in terrain at that objective, and say, if one of these gets immobilized, it becomes its own new unit. And then the other one gets objective two. 
So you tried to split the unit so one could drive off and yeah. leave the objective. And uh, I think that was my only victory in the game, was seeing the look of horror in his face as he realized that if I rolled a one on a dangerous terrain test, I was going to win the game that I had no business winning. <laughs> Unfortunately for once, my dice would not let their true power of ones be unleashed, and uh, I passed both terrain tests, and so it ended. I tried it again on turn six because the game went on, but I just I ended up just getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, worth a try at that point. But uh, he was... Little he things was, like that. He was a blast of an opponent. Uh, he was he was fun to play, and I was glad I had a, a good last game because the the finals game was pretty tense. <laughs> uh, who was in the final then? Do you know uh, it was one in the end. Aaron Leong and uh, Tim Schmidt, the guy who I just played. Um, the two of them had a very tense game. The judges were involved a lot, and they were both reprimanded a few times. So uh, it was not the most sporting game 40k has ever seen. Uh, do you know what Aaron was using? Oh, yeah, Aaron around. was using uh, two Imperial Knights. I want to say one was a Lancer, one was an Archeron. A uh, couple Wraith Knights, I believe. And then, like, some Wave Serpents. And I believe that was it. I think he had four Knights. No, I think he only had one. One Wraith Knight, two Imperial Knights, and then some Wave Serpents. Cool. And it was um, against Tim's army, and it was uh, a tense game. And did Tim end up victorious, or did Alan manage to sneak it off him? Uh, Aaron and uh, Tim managed to uh, to win it due to uh, some janky crap on the last turn. <laughs> it was uh, it was a like a forty five minute argument whether a wraith knight could jump out of terrain, um, and then charge into the side of an imperial knight so he wouldn't have to clip terrain, and if he made that charge, and he killed that imperial knight who only had one hole point left, then Aaron would win the game because he would be taking away line breaker from Tim. So it was that close. Unfortunately, both of them were just like misplaying wobbly model syndrome, which by the way, wobbly model syndrome is not so you can place a quarter inch of your base on top of a 12 inch in the air ruin and say it's standing there. Um, but that's how they both played it. So that's how they wanted to play it. Um, so they both have this, their models on top of this, like it was probably a nine to 10 inch tall ruin. Aaron tried to move off of the ruin so that he could charge the side of Tim's base, which was, of course, hanging way off the ruin, and not have to hit cover. It was declared by the judge that he would have to hit cover. And uh, the two of them agreed. Tim, uh, Tim, I believe, said, so you're going to need a five-inch charge. And Aaron said, yes, I'll need a five-inch charge. And he rolled a four. And so that was the game. And so about five minutes after the game, I went over to Aaron while they were ta- after they were finished tallying up and said, Aaron, I just have a question for you. Uh, why did you need a five to charge? Because Aaron was only two inches away. And then Aaron, I think, sees red, his eyes go wide, and he's like, I made that charge. And Tim says, you got to know your own rules, and it was, it was ugly. So uh, the reason is he didn't need an extra two inches to charge. For some reason, he forgot that monstrous creatures have, ignore, uh, have moved their cover, and so they ignore the minus two. Um. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Losing a game on something like that. Yeah, and now who knows if he would have beaten him? He would have had to go through cover, so he would have had to go second. And there's a D sword, so at least he gets the impact hit. Maybe that might do it. <laughs> You're a hopeful one, aren't you? Uh, so it's strength ten. Only needs a three. It was uh. It's on one hole point. You can do it. I believe in him, but unfortunately, since they'd already called end of game, they said no going back, and uh. 
they had some heated words, and then it was over, thankfully, and uh, Tim won the day with that army. So add lance and guard blobs. And void shields. And void shield generator. Ah, fuck that thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I ended up taking fourth. Uh, I actually won my first best painted at a GT, which is really cool. Um, Congratulations. And uh, that was that was Renegade for me. Uh, any decent prizes for best painted? No, that was odd. So they had great prize support, don't get me wrong. Uh, for fourth place, I got like $100 cash and some random models and other stuff, right? For best painted, I got like some random Woodland Scenics thing and uh, a cool trophy, really nice glass trophy. And uh, I want to say that was it, like maybe like a model with it, which was odd. I was very happy with the prize support I got. I just felt like the prize that I got for fourth place should have been what I earned for best painted. So yeah, in the future years, they may want to rethink the allocation of their prize support because it was really good, but they might just want to change what they give it for. So overall event-wise then, from what I've been hearing, it sounds like a pretty good event with a few things just to work on for future. Or... Yeah, they definitely, I think they need to, like all events, you know, as you get into tournament organizing, generally you start getting out of playing as much because you have to put a lot of time and effort, the TOs do, in, into organizing these events. So they get a little out of touch with kind of the meta and the community. They need to engage more of their local player base that, that plays a bit more and have them vet the missions, have them vet the tournament structure. Um, I've offered, well, I will be offering, I've offered it to Brad, but Brad Townsend and myself will be offering our help to them in future years just as like a sounding board. Um, not to take over, of course, nothing like that. But, you know, I think I think all events just need to kind of ping ideas off of people to make sure that they're kind of... Uh, in touch with where everything is, but no, they did a, they did a great job. They put on a great event at a great venue. Um, few things to work on for next year, but you know they had. I want to say it was 64 people on the nose this year. I expect them to be bigger next year. Sounds good. Uh, thank you very much for coming and joining us for that. And hopefully we will speak to you again in the future, since you've been on quite a few times now. Yep. Talk to you again. Right guys, welcome back to uh, the Allies of Convenience. Uh, we're just going to get some of the guys to go through a little team tournament that they uh, they went to on the weekend. Uh, so joining me is Gaz, yeah. Gary and Matt. Hello. Hello. And what, what team were you guys part of at this team event? Uh, we should have probably gone as the Allies of Convenience podcast, but we went as Flame On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Team Stomping Grounds UK. We should have Flame On and we went as Flame On. I was Team Stomping Grounds UK. So, Gads, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history, the the amazing legend that is Flame On, just in case anyone has been living under a rock for the last two decades. Well, Flame On basically was started, oh God, over ten years ago now, by Neil Kerr, um, oh, Chris Green. Um, oh Jesus! What's his name? I can't even remember his name now. Jesus, apparently. Jesus, Jesus. was there. No, two, two more guys. I can't remember their names. Oh, this is going to be embarrassing for you guys. I know it is pretty embarrassing. <laughs> for me. Well, yeah, one of them. One of them sort of left early on. Um, I think 
I can't remember who the original four were. I remember very early members, but I can't remember the original four. I think so. This is like the fifth Beatle, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. So anyway, so it's a team I joined um, when I was about eighteen, um, and it basically was like the Red Tide. It it sort of went to tournaments and took them over. Um, some people liked it, some people didn't like it, and we had a few we had a few members who were you know quite popular and. Um, we kind of tried to take the gaming ethos into a social aspect because at the time it was very much about just playing the tournament and then going home and no one really socialised and no one sort of hung out, well, as far as I was aware uh, at the time. And then it kind of grew into this horrible monster. It just turned into the Borg, didn't it? It was just it like did. It assimilated. assimilated everybody and everything around it and there was red shirts everywhere. Um, and then it kind of, everyone kind of grew up and real life kind of got in the way and people move on, have children, move country, get different jobs and, you know, normal things. And then it was flame off. I guess. And it was flame off and it has been for about three years or so where basically flame on hasn't really attended a tournament as a team anymore. And um, it's been me and a couple of other guys sort of flying the flag now and again. And, um, yeah, it was really good just to see a team event. I thought, you know what, sod it, I'll try and get a few members of Flame On together and we'll go as a team again. So originally it was me, um, Chris Green, um, Sean Watson and uh, Bob Wollstonecroft um, going as a team of Flame On. Yeah. Um, Bob had to drop out quite a while ago due to being involved with the army at the time, so he, he wasn't, there wasn't a way of him getting really any spare time to do the tournament. And then Chris Green had to drop out on the Thursday or the Wednesday. Yeah, yeah his, his little one was ill. Because his daughter was quite ill. So unfortunately he had to drop out. And I thought, right, okay. So for Bob, I managed to get Paul Scott to stand in. He was an old, old Flame On member like myself from yeah. the very early days. And Gary Percival, who, my very own Gary. Hello. Studied for Chris. And again, who's a very old, old school Flame On member. And then, on the Friday, um, Sean had to drop out as well because, <laughs> by the sounds of things, Sean hadn't told his wife that he was going away. <laughs> and wife found out and said, no, you have a child to look after. You're not going anywhere. So if you're yeah, listening, Sean, sorry for dropping you in it. So, um, so, so you had to have a child on your team instead? Well, I had mm. to around So we've got a ringer. And try and see if there are any Flame On members, and turns out they're all either dead or incommunicado or just non-existent, or they've gone back other teams and joined other teams. So I was left with, unfortunately, I was left with some knobhead who just stepped in. I mean, some delightful captain of Wales who's excellent to stand in and uh, be our fourth member. The mother of dragons herself. He's, uh, you couldn't have done it without me. Very, very, very true. Exactly. So, do it, so, uh, what's the format of this, this little team event? Well, it's a rundown sort of format and your lists and, and whatnot, and then we can go into some back reps. It's a four-man event where what you do is, um, 1650 point lists, um, no duplicates of codex at all, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, quite a a few different things were not allowed and allowed, so there was no formations, but we were allowed Forge World. Um, your team could have up to about 400 points worth of Forge World in every army, and then one player could take one uh, thing worth over 400 points. I can't remember the exact one, something about 400. 
Um, so I think it's eight hundred, wasn't it? it was Lord of War up to eight hundred or something silly. No, no, it was, it was each. You have as many things as you want up to about four hundred odd, and then you can have one thing per team up to eight hundred odd or whatever it was. So pretty much anything you wanted. So that's the green light for that's all the much. nasty shit, is that right? Basically, yeah, so that was Gatans and stuff, yeah. Oh, so, that was the format, and then you, you kind of pair yourselves up at the start, and so you roll off to see who puts down first, and someone puts down a defender, someone matches them up with an attacker, and then you take it in turns. But you've got a champion, which is a secret player that you put down before you play any of your other players. And the idea is just to give it a little bit more randomness. So when you're doing the pairings, you don't quite know which three opponents you could be facing out of the four. Because one of them is already predetermined. Right. So it's like a little like a mini ETC type yeah, thing. Basically like a mini ETC. Down ECC, yeah. So maybe that's why you've got Matt on the team, then, obviously, because he's so good at the matchup phase now. After, oh. after years of sitting under my wing. Well, you say <laughs> that. But he, he, he uh, seems as he kind of just left that up to me. Really, he was he was quite gracious in the fact that he was like, "No, you're you're doing it. You're captain." Gat. I was Hold happy it. with my car. Oh. Yeah, he was just eating his ice cream and drinking his beer. He was happy. <laughs> nice. And the funny thing was, all these teams were doing like kind of, oh, we've got a, a good defender list and a good prey list, and we need a good horde list and we need a good anti-tank list, and we just took four random shit lists, didn't we? We yeah. literally took. You just took a random Elder list because you have Elder. So what was your list again? I had available to make a 1650. Matt took the only models you could get his hands on. You took Orcs, which you've been playing with for ages now. On mm-hmm. mine. You thought, oh, I'll borrow some Orcs because I'm the army I know how to use. On Polter yeah. with like some sort of fluffy demon army with Iron Hands allies, which was quite bizarre. Weird. So that's got to be probably the worst list run over I've ever heard so what was actually in your list well do you know go on someone else start and I'll, I'll so Gary well, Gary let's let's have a little glimpse behind the curtain for books mate how are you how are you making these work what have you got in your list uh, yeah well the book is baggins there's no there's no line about it but I think I managed to get them working um, and I had a tournament list that I've been trying out on Vassal uh, and Gaz Donnelly bless his little heart had most of them models so borrowed those um, list in and in a nutshell was two war bosses on bikes uh, with power claws. Warlord had a thinking cap, uh, which is amazing. Uh, two minimum troops units of ten boys with choppers. Uh, ten tank busters with a knob and a boss pole. Two units of 14 bikes with nothing. And three units of 14 looters. Mm. So And yeah, a lot of people looked at the list and just went, what? Mm, so, yeah. Gary... What are you doing? Yeah, what are you suppose, doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I suppose that's a I'll, good thing for a team event, though, oh, isn't it? Yeah, bless him, he's bought orcs. All right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and it works. It, I, guys can testify, it does work. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not gonna be the, it's not gonna be the new, you know, meta-breaking list. But it does, it does catch a few people by surprise. It was originally designed in the, in the, in the, the deep dark days of invisibility spam everywhere. Yeah. So it was like, oh, beast packs and they're invisible, and it's like, well, I'm blissed skill five, so um, I'm hit on five, so suddenly going to hit on sixes. It's not really a big thing, so you know. it's still pretty good when you when you think you've got all those strength ten fists claws. Yeah. Whatever. Then you've you know on a you've relatively a cheap platform. 
then yeah, you can just like, well, go on then. If you roll a six, so be it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, swings in. and you've got looters that are like running away from flyers and hitting on sixes anyway with a bajillion. It was just, wait, it's just a way to fire list. And, you know, yeah. you've got quite a lot of bikes, so they hit automatically with the Hammer Wrath. So, again, that ignored invisibility. Uh, and as I carried on playing it after, invisibility spam kind of died off a little bit. But it still kind of works. So, cool. carried on. Mm. And Matt, what was the what was the little list that you managed to cobble together, buddy? So, well, since I found out I was actually going around Thursday, uh, sorry, around four o'clock Friday night. I'd been preempted Thursday, but since I had plans on the Sunday, I was like, eh, not really bothered about going because I'm doing stuff. It's like Matt, we're a man down. We need you. All the three of us are stumped. So made a few phone calls. I managed to get hold of a White Scars army with a Imperial Knight. Since Andy was painting my knights, I know where the bits and pieces are. <laughs> kind of getting packed away, ready to move. So I managed to get Chapter Master on a bike with Shield Eternal, uh, Artificer Armor Power Fist, Khan on a bike, five bike squads with two Grav Guns in each, two Molten Melt Attack bikes, and Thunderfire, and a knight with a Melter Cannon. Nice. I've, nice. Obviously, that's. Uh, well, I've used. It's a pretty bikes. good list to have. I've used bikes in the past. Cause I've got my own bike army somewhere, but yeah. it, I've not actually used them for probably about three years. So it was nice to actually get bikes out again. So you didn't go for the command squad in that one then? Nah, there's too many points for just going to try and get a load of guys out there and Fair enough, try and play enough. the mission a little bit, get the maelstroms, and just try and take a solid six or. 10 from every round even in a bad matchup how did the night work out with those with those units was it okay yeah it was pretty good uh, go through a bit more detail later on but it was more a additional bit of combat punch that some of the bikes were lacking yeah. and more of a threat to keep yeah a bit of board control maybe stuck, don't come charge my bikes or I'll hit you back with a night yeah I'll hit and run and then you can stamp on my face yeah pretty much so, Cool. So, Gaz, how about yourself? What what was what was your list? What was, what what kind of list were you running? Eldar. Yay! Hooray. So, wave serpents then, basically, and a summoning seer. Sorry about so, that. My computer went a bit crazy then. That's what I mean. We used to say that again. again. So, yeah, was it was it the uh, wave serpents and a summoning seer? Was that your list? Um, yeah, it was basically um, paid for and got. Look at that. Look. I think it was a Noah's Ark list. I think everything comes in twos. Um, <laughs> it's a summon seer. Yeah. Which is he doesn't come into, so he's the Noah of your little. Uh, yeah, he's a little Noah. He's a little man. Yeah. He's, he's Fair enough. Right now, finding all the other animals in the form of demons. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So the mantle and the spirit stone. Um, Summoning stone. Yeah. Yeah. Summoning stone. And then <laughs> the rest of the list is two squads of jet bikes, two dire avenger units in wave serpents, two fire dragons and units in wave serpents, and two wraith knights. Cool. That's it. Pretty standard fare. Two by two and yep. etc. Oh, cool. So what about what the fourth list? What was that? Right, that was Paul, Paul's Demons with Iron Hands. And what he's got there is um, a great and clean one, level three with two greater powers and a lesser power. Um, a Herald of Zinch, level three with an exalted reward. Uh, a Demon Prince with wings, Nurgle, level two with two greaters. Um, another Demon Prince with Wings, Nurgle, level 2 with two Graters. 
10 Plague Bearers with an instrument, 10 Pink Horrors with an instrument, and a Blasted Standard. I don't know what a Blasted Standard is, but... There you go. A Defense Line with an Auto Cannon. Yeah, that's right, a Defense Line. Um, and then he's got Iron Hands in, with a Master of the Forge with the Iron Stone, and then a Mortis Pattern Contemptor Dreadnought with two Assault Cannons and five Marines. Wow. And if you'd like to ask me what they do, then my answer is I have no idea. Because you don't do Marines, do you, Gaz? I don't do Marines. No. Well, it's the Carey's Assault Cannon, so it's the whole kind of... Um, if they stand still, they get Skyfire and Intercept. And the Ironstone gives them uh, any vehicles it will or die on a 4+. So, you know. Nice. It was kind of, it was kind of like a little kind of sit back at the on the board edge and just shoot anything while all the demons rush forward. Cool. So, right, so that's the lists. So, um, who did you play for? Well, who did you play in round one? And how did you get on? Hmm. We played uh, Claws and Fists, didn't we? Yeah, Claws and Fists, yeah, uh, which is Graham Sanders. My lift for the weekend. Um, we ever played him with their ringer. Oh, yeah, their, um, their superstar ringer. Yeah, Tim, the U2 organiser. Yeah. Tim, the two. <laughs> Ah. Is that Tim King, yeah? Yep. Yeah. Did he have his hands out? No, no answer. No. Oh. What was he using? Oh, well, it was... It was, it was yeah, Death let's... Death yeah. No, it, it was... Um, it was Marines with... Uh, it was Space Wolves with uh, Imperial Fists. Sentinels of Terror. Sentinels of Terror, yeah. The old grav in Space Wolf drop pod thing. Right. Who got to play I, that one? <laughs> me uh-huh. um, and, and this is where because we went into this cause with four pretty kind of random lists and we weren't really going to, 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 to win I suppose which is going to get drunk and have a bit of a laugh so the pairings was not exactly what I called it, it was Zach Science was it guys the first, yeah the first the first round was basically right who wants to do what and it was kind of like right you're going in champion because you're stood in front of me and then we're going to put you up forward first because you're stood the other side of me so Good. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a piece of strategic genius. It was great. It really was. Wow! Look at all the insights we're giving the entire world. <laughs> to be fair, it was. I think your matchup was a piece of strategic genius. If you were facing Deathwing. Well, well it was it. Yeah, this is it, and uh, this this was quite funny because I was I was put up first. No, uh, Tim was put up first, and I went after it, didn't I? Yeah. Um, and Tim's list, uh, and Tim will probably rage. Um, there were idiosyncrasies with his list a little bit, and also the fact that I was also a stupid fucking idiot. Um, Is that idiosyncrasies, right? Idiosyncrasies. Yeah. So I read his list, and it was like you know two you know two grav uh, sentinel uh, you know sentinels of terror grav uh, centurions in drop pods and some tactical marines in drop pods and some blood claws in drop pods, and you know and just all these kind of you know generic kind of yeah going for the space wolf drop grab list and he had two he had two empty drop pods and on the list it said Deathwind, Deathwing, or Deathwind drop pods and I was like oh that's fair enough he's got two empty drop pods Deathwind fair enough bit of anti-horde calm down you know stacks the waves with the drop pods fair enough no biggie uh, I started playing him and I said alright and he goes do you know what they do and I was like yeah yeah I know what Deathwind pods do yeah yeah and he goes you sure because they're forge well ones and I was like and that's fine. You know, how how bad can a Forge World Deathwind pod be? 
you know. Um, <laughs> how bad indeed, Gary. How bad. So, <laughs> I, so I set up, and I've got, I've got the infiltrate thing. Uh, the infiltrate, yeah, use the lucky cap. You get two strategic warlord traits. Get the infiltrate. Set up deep in the board. Great. I had stealth in ruins, so I put all the all my forty-five looters or forty-three looters or whatever it is in a massive bit of ruins in the middle, all nice and bunched up. Figuring I could deal with two strength five templates, it's not the end of the world. Um, and then he goes, "But are you sure you know what they do?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, and then he turns around and goes, "Right, so I'm going to land here, and I'm going to fire D3 plus one whirlwind templates at every unit within twelve inches." And I was like, "What?" Goes yeah, yeah, they're death storm templates, and I was like, you said they're death wind. He's like, no, no, they're death storm. Oh, what are they? That's be? a completely different thing. That's, that's a, a completely weather, different that's whole, thing. That's a whole weather category higher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> storm so, wind. So we had a good laugh about that. I take it it didn't go very well, then, Gary. Well, I was stood next to your table, wasn't I, Gary? And I kind of looked over and I looked at this big, massive pile of orcs, and was like, have you set up yet, then, Gary? And he was like, yep, I've set up, I'm done, I've put all the models down, and now I'm removing them all, because these are not death wing, or wing, or whatever they are, these are death storm. I was like, these are... oh, see? I was like, how's, how's your first turn gone? I was like, I just lost 35 looters. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> yeah, is that good? <laughs> is that about average? He kind of went over to me and went, um, yeah, you need to win your game now. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, ultimately, I lost. Uh, although it wasn't that bad after the first turn, uh, the bikes did some work. I managed to, uh, to trance through quite a lot of his army, uh, but unfortunately, the first turn just kind of really started kind of uh, telling. And so, towards the end of the game, I only had the one bike squad left with the war boss running around, getting quite a lot of uh, maelstrom missions and you know, quite getting quite a few points, but. Uh, what what he had left just congregated and ultimately I got tabled. Uh, I think it, if I hadn't got tabled, I think it'd have been close to a draw. But it was just that that first turn was too telling, um, and I just didn't have the numbers to kind of push through to the end of the game. I think that was our fault, though, wasn't it? We didn't read the list properly. Yeah, and that was all. I mean, the that's that's why that's where our attitude at the start of just oh we don't care we're not really that fussed. It didn't matter at all. And, and like in hindsight, if we were trying to win the tournament, we'd have probably read the lists. Yeah, exactly. And even if I had played it and known what it was, I don't. Yeah, you know, we were talking about it. It was like, well, if I'd known what that was, I'd have deployed completely differently. It would have been two-inch spacing all across my board edge because it was. Um, it, what was it? It was. Uh, it was Dawn, no, Hammer and Anvil, wasn't it? It was Hammer and Anvil, uh, and it was um, Big Guns Never Tire. So it would have been... 36 inches of the board, couldn't you? About half the board. Yeah, I could have covered half the board, two-inch facing, and just gone, right, okay, you can try and kill bikes t- turn one where they're getting saves, uh, and whatever you don't kill will then charge you and, yeah, kill you. Um, I don't think it would have been that bad if I'd known, but I didn't know, so I got uh, I got uh, bent over dry, I think is the phrase. Yay! Yay. Nasty. And Gaz, quickly, how did you... Uh... How, who did you play and how did you get on? I, I had a really nice game. Um, I I played um, the knight player on their team, which was Dirty uh, Darren. Dirty Dirty Darren. Oh my god, my memory's so bad. I'm sorry to the person I played. My memory's awful. Dirty Gurdy. You know, it's the first time I met him, and he was really, really genuinely nice guy. Um, but it very quickly dawned on us both that he had 
only played three games of seventh edition, and he never played Eldar in seventh edition. <laughs> just dawned on him then, Jesus. Well, in, when when he sort of when he sort of asked that, that's the question. Like, what's a wave serpent? <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good day. Gaz was like, thank uh, Jesus. Okay, he doesn't know uh, what wave serpent is. Well, I kind of I, the way I kind of tried to approach it was like, this this is not a good matchup for you. I told him like how the lists were, and I said, look, this isn't a good matchup for you. This list is designed to take on knights, so it's going to be quite difficult um, from your position because you've only got three knights and a couple of other units. It's not you've got a storm raven as well. Yeah, it was Knights and Blood Angels, wasn't it? Yeah, so you had, you had this sort of Knights and Storm Raven combo. And, you know, he, he wasn't really aware of what Fire Dragons did in, in the new rules, and he wasn't aware of what a Ghost Helm did and what Summoning Stone did and all these kind of things. Which, you know, if, you, if you've if you not had the experience, you can't blame him for not knowing, you know. it's So we, we, we played the game as best we could, and I tried to sort of explain to him what was happening each time it was going on, and he was like... I'm like, bending you over slowly... He basically, well, no, he, he kept laughing and joking about bloody hell, I'm learning so many rules in this game. So we, we played the game; it was a good game, um, but it was over pretty much about turn three because yeah, it's obviously against the knights, you just turbo your whole army forward and get every single possible angle you can against the knights. So they can only use their shield on one side, and I think he'd lost all the knight, uh, he'd lost all his knights by turn four. And then he had a Storm Raven that I was just forcing. I was, and then what happened then is we knew the game was over, so I started to try and show him all the dirty tricks that Eldar can do. So I was, you know, bubble wrapping his Storm Raven to sort of guide it back off the board again <laughs> because they can't they can't pivot. Very so, nice. So that kind of stuff and summoning demons who were then summoning demons and all this malarkey and stuff like that. So. So we're never going to see this poor guy at another tournament. Is what no, we, we, I think you will. I think he was definitely. He enjoyed the game. He just. He, he said. He said he definitely needs to go home and practice and get better at that kind of thing. So, which is good. So, yeah, I I tried not to be just a douche about it and say oh, I'm being you and you're you're rubbish or whatever. It wasn't that. It was like you, you've not experienced seventh edition. You've obviously not had enough practice time. But you know. So, he, but he was learning as he was playing. So, you know, some people just give up. Whereas he he kept on playing and learned as he went, which was good. Sure. And uh, Matty, who did you play and how quickly did you destroy them? I went down as first defence for us, I think, which I then got paired against their sacrificial lamb of Deathwing. Not Deathwind, not Deathstorm, Deathwing with all Terminators. I think... The so they paired, they, they, they paired you against that? Yeah, they attacked me. So you went me. down first and they attacked you. Okay, Yeah, fair enough. I think they were saying he was quite a new guy to the game. Hadn't really played much seventh. I think it was a theme for half the team. Uh, and they were like, right, if he's going to lose, we'll take that one out of the way. And I think by the end of turn two, there was one Deathwing Knight left from his side of the board. <laughs> nice. Yeah. My, always, my knight bring you died because the... Uh, Five knights got out the land raider after the knight blew it up and charged it in retaliation and blew it up. But it took out four with the D explosions on the way. So that was interesting. Yeah, so I guess that was a nice 20 nil. Yeah, nice and quick. So that's two 20 nils. So how did the fourth game go? Uh, Paul was playing um, a wave serpent spam list. Uh, Not quite like Gaz's, but a very similar kind of vein. Um, as far as because my game was over fairly quickly more like a Moses list rather than a Noah one maybe 
Yeah, exactly. You know, he didn't have. He don't think he had the. He didn't have the knights, but he had a few more bikes, and he had a little bit more. And he had a couple more wave serpents. Um, as far as I can tell, Paul was getting battered, uh, and then to that turn three, uh, the warp storm just rolled Slanish, and he took out two wave serpents uh, with one warp storm, and then he also killed the warlord, the summoning warlord with the warp storm in nice. one turn. And apparently all turned on his head, and I think he ended up tabling by about turn five after that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so it was, it was literally like, oh, I might get a ten, or, you know, it might be ten all, maybe, I don't know, might get a few points, oh, I've tabled him. Right, okay. Cool. So, so yeah, a convincing was... win, so like a 60 to 20 win, I guess. So, yeah. We started off, you know, we didn't really mind carrying you through that first round, Gary, you know. Death, death storm, not death wind. Death storm. Yeah. What we're going to do from now on in future, we're going to highlight every single word. Yeah. word death. death breeze. <laughs> <Imagine> <laughs> sure we know what it is. But it's the the death. Blood Angel Codex is coming out soon, so there's going to be, gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of blood, blood confusion. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think we we went top table, didn't we? Yeah, after that. I think we were yeah. second table. Was well, second table. We were up there. We were up there. Well, there was like what, eight teams. Ten, um, yeah. ten on the first day. Yeah, and then they dropped to eight because one team dropped out. So one of the other teams decided they'd play a little mini tournament rather than sit around waiting. Fair enough. So okay. second round, who are you playing? Who is your daddy, and what does he do? Uh, Peaky Blinders, wasn't it? Peaky oh, Blinders. Yeah. Some some chumps. Yeah, some he? some. Wales Team B chump. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, please, that's England B. <laughs> Uh, I mean, no, 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 Wales A. Wales no, no I, I'll, I'll guys, that's wrong. They're on the Welsh team. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Wales one, uh, Wales A. It was. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was. It was Gaz, Adam. Um, who was it? It was Gaz, Adam, Joel, Hume, Joel, and Brett. Joel, Hume, and Brett. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the team I should have been on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So team drunk team by this point. <laughs> as was I on the way too, but yeah, we were quite. We you were, were quite a sight. I have to be honest, Matt. You're walking around in like the middle of winter. It was freezing cold. Walking around in a t-shirt, eating ice cream, pissed out your face. I was Thanks. happy. Did he have a pink hat on? No, not this time. For fuck's sake, a... you got to wear that pink hat. He had a cornetto at most times. I saw him. Is that hanging out of his ass or out of his mouth? <laughs> it, it was a strawberry cornetto. It <laughs> doesn't narrow it down, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's location. I'll leave it up to your mind, Mike. We all know what happens when your mind turns to things like that. Jesse yeah. pictures evolve. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, who were you playing then, Gary, on this one? Uh, well, what was it? It was... Um, I can't remember what the mission was. It was Kill Points, this mission, wasn't it? Um, and I think they ended up putting down uh, a Space Wolf Death Star. Your your favourite, Mike. It was all uh, Thunder Wolf's Thunder Wolf Death Star. Yeah, it sounds pretty much exactly like the list I was going to see. Been a little yeah. serious, didn't we? Yeah, we started taking it a bit serious, and I reckoned I could take it. So yeah. uh, I played Joel. Um, I played Joel. Uh, his list was, in a nutshell, White Scars, um, two units of Grav Bikes, Chapter Master, and a sizable unit of Scout Bikes. Uh, and then Space Wolves, he had uh, two Thunderwolf Lords, two Iron Priests, and a Thunderwolf Cav unit. Uh, he'd used the Champions of Fenris. Yeah. So he didn't have to take any troops or anything. And that was basically it. Uh, he, he put 
chapter master and two of the characters in the scout in the scout bikes and then you put everything else in the thunderwolf unit and i well it was it was kind of all over fairly quickly actually um i got first turn um i got um it was because it was vanguard deployment so i was able to reposition you know you put one to the left one to the right death you know two mini death stars yeah. left and right i swung to the right turbo boosted a uh a bike squad right up in the front in the the thunder wolf cav just to bait out the charge shot the crap out of the two bike squads and then he charged the unit killed the unit and then everything just mobbed it and wiped it out um so at that point he was left with the characters in the scout bikes and it was just basically a game of run away from the bikes shoot them with looters if they got close charge them with anything left and I think I ended up tabling him on about turn five. Um, I think they actually ended up going through the other bike squad. Yeah, yeah, he had two characters on one wound each. He charged yeah. the bikes. He charged the bike squad. I thought, oh, this will be fine. Bounced everything. Warlord whiffed, and they died to combat. You know, died to you know running off. Uh, but then, yeah, I still had forty-five looters and God knows what else. So I just, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I had to do two wounds on two terminators effectively with forty-five looters. So. Yeah, I tell you what. Just to clarify, mate, are you are you running knob bikers or just regular bikers? Regular bikers. Have you got any power claws in there? Just the war bosses. They literally have nothing. It is fourteen bikes uh, with a war board. Just our blade of wounds for the war lord, and just lots and lots and lots of shots. Oh, okay. Well, Eighteen fifty. So, they do so get knobs. A nice, nice twenty nil for you, mate. Was it? Yeah, nice twenty nil for me. Yeah, uh, kill points. Start? So it was, it was, it was closer on paper. But the tabling just made it a twenty now. Right. So uh, going on to the next, who who got to play Adam? Mm, I don't remember anyone called Adam on that team. Princess. No? Princess. Oh, Princess, of course, is yeah. his, his showbiz name, of course. Yeah, true. But the thing, I think, with this one, we got. If, if, if you correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I think we got the pairing spot on this time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, because we got we it. We realised that we could get it where three of us had good matchups and one of us had bad matchups. Yeah. And I basically ended up with the bad matchup. You should have won that one, chump. I should have won that game. Are you kidding? So right. Anyway, yeah. So I, I played princess. But yeah. This was a. This is a very bad matchup for my list. Um, where it's kill points against the demons. So <clears throat> Adam sets up in vanguard with the screamer council and plague drone unit right on the on the edge of his deployment zone on a bare empty table. Um, and my whole tactic was basically, hopefully, to try and have first turn and run away and shoot him as much as I could and try not to give up all my kill points. Um, unfortunately, I managed to lose the first turn roll-off, so Adam got first turn, but then I seized on him <clears throat> and no. shot the entire Seer Council unit dead. The, not the Seer Council, the, the um, Screamer Council unit dead, except for the um, Herald with the Grimoire. And then the Herald with the Grimoire then managed to hide behind the only piece of terrain on the board for the whole game and kept popping out and Grimoiring his uh, Plague Drone unit. So it was almost impossible to get through. Two up in vulnerable, say, Plague Drone unit with four up feel no pain. And he was trying to do that beam thing where you can beam the drone unit and they get a plus one to their, uh, not a vulnerable save, their um, feel no pain. 
I call bullshit on that one. I I call bullshit on that one, but he was it was it's in the rules. He could do it. So doesn't make it right, Adam. No, it doesn't make it right, Adam. But, but he played really well, and I knew that all the only thing I could do was try and run away as much as I can. And Vanguard is obviously very hard to run away in when you're facing a big unit like that because it's that corner to corner, so you can't really run into the corners early on. No. So I had to try and leave a bait unit behind for him to kill and then run away into the opposite corners. And the yeah, game... Jet, jet bikes should be all right, but those serpents... They those serpents aren't down, fast enough. Yeah, they got chased down. Yeah. And he, he ended up beating me on the kill points, but I made sure that I was running around and getting all the secondary missions. Um, and I got the tertiary mission draw with him. So I ended up losing 12-8, I think it was, in the end. Or 16... Or 14-6. Something like that. Very so respectable. So I, yeah, I lost the game, but it was I was I knew that I was going to lose, and I was playing for the secondary. There was no way I was going to win the primary and kill points. It's just my army coughs up kill points to that list. Yeah, fair enough. You know, when he shrieks race nights for fun with with um, Baitweaver, just following them around <laughs> the board, just casting shriek on them. <laughs> Always good fun. Mm-hmm. Lovely. So who got to play um, Gaz's uh, transcendent? Transsexual Satan. That's uh, Paul. And that was slightly did yeah. the matchup because we thought Paul was the only one who had a chance of beating him. So what happened? Did he? Yeah, he, he shrieked he the crap out of it. He <laughs> shrieked it. Yeah, yeah. It's the best um, of killing a tranny Satan. Who knew? Uh, Paul was because we told him is that that's that's how you got to do it. You got to shriek it. Stay stay in the air and shriek the hell out of it. Uh, and we kind of looked over and it was like turn two and it was like, how are you doing? He's like, well, I've shrieked it four times and I've done 22, two, 22 wounds to it. Yeah. And you're like, all right, okay. It's not dead yet, but he keeps making these invulnerable saves. Uh, he keeps Jeez. making these field of pain saves. And then turn three, he goes, how's it going? He goes, oh, it's dead now. All right, okay, cool. Um, but Gaz's list was basically, it was just the Transcendent Contan and then uh, uh, the Scarab Farm, wasn't it? So, yeah. So at the end of the game, uh, it, the transcendent Catan was dead, and it was just a great and clean one, just munching through um, just spiders, of scarabs. Yeah. yeah, just eating spiders and scarabs. I think he—I don't think he actually tabled him, but he did twenty nil him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. yeah I think I think that I, th- I think there was some scarabs in combat with the uh, with the contemptor and uh, and the uh, the the master of the forge, and the master of forge had failed to save or something. And so he was in his pants, you know, swinging a wrench at multiple scarabs. Sorry, and... sorry, so don't be there. Gaz was in his pants, swinging a wrench. <laughs> no, the... the uh, lost. This is Master Gaz, the... by the way. This is Gaz only. I wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Not but, me. But the... Master of the Forge <laughs> yeah, failed sorry. a save. So he'd, he'd lost his armour save, and so he was, yeah, in his ah, pants. All right, okay. I'll get you now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he twenty in the order, um, took out the Catan early, and that was basically game. Poor old Gaz, he was really looking forward to that transsexual satan. He was, he was. It was, it was, it was funnier because um, Paul's missus um, yeah, does nails for the transgender community. And so we, we we told him on the podcast we'll have to give him a shout out for beating up trannies. <laughs> oh there's, me, there's me thinking that a lad that was going to come in for some nail company. <laughs> oh, I was getting my hopes no. up. Persecuting minorities, that's what we're all about. <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was, he was asking us very nicely to not mention that he was a tranny basher. Uh, <laughs> upset, upset his wife. But we we all know what it means. Just hopefully, um, anyone out there who thinks it means the other thing, it doesn't. It's a, it's a very sad, yes. 
trans- yeah, trans- yeah, model that's got all. Any complaints, send the email to the 11th Company podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, how did you get on? I got to play Brat, which was four wave serpents, a summoning say, and three wraith knights. And I went first. So you won that one then? Yeah, we called it beginning of turn three. Because I'd yeah. killed all these wave serpents s- and was about to charge it's- all the Dire Avengers and. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing as Gaz, isn't it, really? You can chase them down pretty handily. And grab versus knights, yeah. yeah. Grab versus three knights is just... Oh, the knights, especially scouts. Starting in reserve to not get grabbed off turn one. Jumped on the table turn two in the opposite corner. But by that point, it was five, soon to be eight nil on kill points, with the knights running around trying to kill off a few guys while my knight chases them, so it was only going nice. one way. Yeah. So that so, was 60 nil. So what was the score in the end then? Uh, 60 20. 60 uh, was it? 20. No, 60, no, 70. Like, it was 50, 54, wasn't it? Oh, something like that, yeah. Is this a maths problem, Gaz? I don't know. It was a win. Put it that way. It was one. a win. Right, yeah, it was a win. Yeah, so that means you're catapulted up to table one then? Uh, yeah, I think you were. Yeah. Third game. So who who are you playing in the third game? Ah, oh, the. Uh, playing England C team, weren't we? Uh, I think it was technically the England A team because it had Josh and Bob on it, didn't it? Josh, Bob, and Paul. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. The England C team. <laughs> right. Um, but well, yeah, it was yo, it was you know Josh, Bob, Paul, and a guy who I've never met before, but he was part, he was quite good, but I can't remember his name. Five. Mike Porter, well, well, the guy who Nathan played nah. last game at Heat Three on Table One, who ended up third. Yeah, he was nice. Yeah. Guy. I spent yeah. it and was chatting with him. It was good. Are we going to call him the fall guy now, then? Because he's going to get the blame. No, he, <laughs> he was quite a good player, wasn't he? Who played him? I played him in that round. Uh, he actually did really well over the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we start, uh, start with you, Matt, and tell him what he, what he had. He was... I want to know what the matchup bit is first, guys. I mean, this is this oh. is a good thing. How did you how did you manage to uh, to decide who got to play Josh? <laughs> obviously, obviously <laughs> the... Uh, the, the scalp on the England captain will be a big Welsh trophy. He's not. So. Well, is he still the England captain, or is it? I suppose no. He's England Bob's captain. Team. Bob's manager, so Bob's doing all the yeah. admin side of things. No, okay. yeah. So no, it was it was it was basically we we're not sure. Um, I think I I want to I want to believe um, Bob and Paul. I I think I do. They they tried to do as a favour because there's history between me and Josh the way I'm not Josh's biggest fan, so they decided that there was an opportunity for Josh to play me, um, but they decided to have Paul play me instead. Um, now, in my defence, I believe I believe that Paul actually had the better matchup against me. They say that they think Josh had the better matchup against me, but whichever way, I I think I was going to lose to either of them. So yeah, um, well at least that was helped. Uh... Smooth things along. So it did, yeah, it made, made it easier. So Gary, Gary, unfortunately, took the bullet for that one. So. I took the bullet, yeah. <laughs> well, you say take the uh, bullet. I was the ginger muscly bullet. You mean? Well, yeah, I was, yeah, not the bullet. But. I, I was, <laughs> I was ten sheets to the wind. I could have played anyone. I wouldn't care at the time. <laughs> That's when Gary turned to me, sounded kind of in a wobbly motion, and went, "I'm using fear as turn counters again, Gaz." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, you go, Gaz. It's fine. You keep going, Gary. Keep doing it. Yeah. I wasn't I really being a great captain in terms of managing my team, but they were doing good, so I didn't care. That's fine. So, 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 so self-managers. 
So Gaz, you played Bob then, so um No, I I played Paul. Oh you played Paul, did you? So what did what did Paul have? Um two screamer star demon list, so my favourite army again. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good matchup against you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I I'm basically I'm looking at the list and the idea was is the reason I, I was um I was quietly confident in this game because <coughs> I got to pick the table. So I picked basically a naked table. There was not hardly anything on it. And um, the mission was the relic. So I won the roll off. Again, it's all on roll off the first turn. If I win the roll off the first turn, I've actually got a chance to win the game because it's relic. Um, I won the roll off and I also had the infiltrate, uh, warlord trait. So yeah. with going first, I deployed everything and infiltrated my um, Farseer. Um, and Just the Farseer? Yeah, just the Farseer. And right. Paul... Paul realised that obviously he couldn't set up his screamers because there was nothing to hide them behind. So he was going to lose an entire unit and probably his herald as well. So he's, re he's reserved all of them, all his screamers, everything else, everything in his army is reserved. All he's got on the board are his two horror units and his two Nurgling, uh, what they call little Nurgling bases. Uh, they are called Nurglings, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're called Nurglings, mate, yeah. Yeah, so he's got those on the board. That's it. He's got nothing else on the board. So he's, given, he's basically giving me two turns to run the relic away. Right. So I've infiltrated the Farseer on top of the relic, moved it back into base-to-base -base with the Wraith Knight, who's then picked it up, who's then moved it back and um, sort of held it for a couple of turns, and then moved it into base-to-base -base with some Dire Avengers, who then get into a Wave Serpent, and then I go and hide in the corner. Straight into the Ark, then, and yeah, wait so, for the Dove to come back to say that yeah. that's a land. Fantastic. That, that was it. So my game consisted of I killed everything I could in his army that was objective secured, made sure it was all dead, and then I just bubble wrapped myself up in a corner and kept the kept the screamers at bay with two wraith knights until the very last turn, turn five, where he brings all his screamers over and he starts to turbo boost them in until Bob points out to him that I'm objective secured, so it wouldn't have mattered anyway. <laughs> so he's like, oh yeah. So he waits again, sees if there's a turn. If there was a turn six, he would have probably beaten me. Well, yeah. definitely beaten me because he would have just come in and killed everything. Because <coughs> um, he had he had jump on me in that sense because he had second turn, so he could just wait another turn. So it was, it was hard to do to sort of block off with the wraith knights. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it was one of those, and it, thankfully it ended on turn five. I think if it had gone on turn six, I may even have to still scrape it. Had you know, hopefully a, a Dire Avenger left alive on the relic, something like that. Because so you uh, you slow played him brilliantly, mate. That's well, no, the, the game actually ended. It, I rolled a one. But I didn't slow play him at all. It, uh. it, it properly ended. So, so we you know we said we said even though we, if it did uh, carry on with play on after time anyway, it's being the last yeah. game. So I didn't want to. I never want to win that way. So. No, not unless it's at the ETC, obviously. No, I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> cool. So, how, what was the end score in the end, mate, for that one? Sounds like a close one. 20 nil to me, I think. Really? Oh, no, 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 that's rubbish. Couldn't it be? No, no. I think it was yeah, 20 nil. It was 14 6, wasn't it? Was it he, must have, he must have won the Maelstrom if you were pissing your pants. I think and it was 14 or 16 4, one of the two. I think it was 16 4. I think he got the tertiary because he killed. Yes, it was tertiary because he got the ward. He got my ward and line breaker, and I only got line breaker. Yes, it was 16 4. Good job, I'm Good. Maybe Josh would have been the better choice. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's all it's all down to those dice, isn't it, at the start? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's having first turn and it being the mission was right, yeah. the board was right. Yeah, exactly. Nine times I said to him, seven times out of ten he should 
definitely beat me. But I'm thinking, like, if the mission's not the relic and it's some, like, kill points, I lose every time. That's yeah. Like, or multiple objectives, you just couldn't. Yeah, I can't. There's no it. way you can play that. Mm. Oh, well, then the breaks, mate. Then the breaks. So, Gary, who did you who did you play? Uh, I took the bullet, didn't I? I had, I had Josh. Yes, of course. Uh, with with wave serpents and eight hornets. So some, you know, summon seer, eight hornets and two dice. Eight hornets, yeah. Um, so is this the England captain using Forge World, which isn't going to be at the ETC? This indeed, yeah. Without oh, hornet Josh. models as well. Josh, yeah, I'm without. disappointed. Yeah, uh, and he had he had Mars attack sources as hornets as well. So. Um, of course, yeah. But I but I digress. Um. Uh, in a nutshell, this game came down to time. It was a time game, unfortunately. Um, deployment took forever. Um, Is that because of your, your millions of orcs, right? Well, no, I, I slapped everything down pretty easy. Um, and then we both got the infiltrate warlord traits, so there was like a lot uh, of I go, you go, I go, you go, yeah, places of infiltrates. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously I'd just slapping everything in the middle and pushing forward. Sounds and good for a dick measuring contest, mate. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 Josh was putting his stuff behind. Uh, <laughs> this is getting better. Sorry, it's, this analogy is fantastic. <laughs> lo- lo- lots lots of hiding uh, from from Josh's stuff. I think he's uh, worried about getting shot in the rear, eh? He, yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was. He was a bit worried about me shooting my load over him. So, uh, um, yeah, Sorry, this. this <laughs> so this game was yeah just time um, basically. Yeah. My turns involved pushing forward with the bikes, uh, shooting the crap out of wave <laughs> serpents with um, with looters, um, and it was kind of not a non-event, but it was like it was a bit of summoning. See still running off. He'd put all the hornets in reserve because he was worried about you know, them just dying, uh, which they did. Um, anytime they came on, they kind of shot something and then they got looted or charged by ten boys and killed. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the middle. I've got most. Well, I've got most of my army left. Pretty much most of it left. Uh, he's got a couple of di- uh, fire dragons off to the far corners. Yeah. Um, I've, I've spent most of the mid game going for safe points, so I've been scooping up all the maelstrom missions. Um, I've I've got first. I've got first blood with my tank busters as well. So with their new rule, um, I couldn't lo- I couldn't lose tertiary because if well I couldn't lose tertiary if I got the same number of tertiary points as him because I got two points. So I'd always win 4-3, which was quite yeah. funny. Cool. Um, but I'd got some safe points because we didn't know what was happening in other games. Uh, and I kind of ignored the relic on the safe assumption that if I'd got most of the Maelstrom and killed most of his shit, then, you know, worst case scenario, he could snide a 10 points from under me. But I'd still get quite a lot of points. As it turned out, because the game ended on turn four, that's exactly what he did. Uh, three Screamers, even though I'd surrounded it with, like, well, not surrounded it, but I, I was within three inches of it with quite a lot of uh bikes three screamers uh moved 12 inches above uh, over them uh got the relic and then turbo boosted six inches moving them just away uh moving it just three inches away from my bikes um so he actually scored uh the relic on turn four and we didn't have enough time for turn five so he actually won um but uh from my orc point of view um I took it as a moral win because if it had gone to turn five, I'd have tabled him. I'm pretty sure I'd have tabled him. And if not tabled, uh, if I'd not tabled him, it would have been because of five fire dragons in the top right hand corner, literally nowhere near anything. So I did lose, unfortunately. But I think a, a full five turn game would have been very different results. 
No hint of slow play at all then? Uh, I don't know. I was drunk. I don't know if that helped. Um, but there was a lot. There was there was a lot of there was a lot of umming and ahhing about positional play at the very yeah. beginning. So you know, well, I want to. You, you say what you like about Josh. He's very he's very deliberate and very precise. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, so there was a lot of because I'd chosen a table that, um, or he chosen a table that helped him hide stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's a pretty I, bad matchup for him anyway, isn't it? So. Exactly. Yeah. So I had three units of looters and tank busters and orcs, and everything could kill everything in his army really yeah. easily. So it was yeah. a lot of kind of I want to make sure this isn't seen. I want to make sure this isn't seen. Yada yada yada. And I just I just I just ripped through his army basically, yeah. um, like like diarrhea small child. And um, yeah, he, really? he had nothing left. Like, Thank you. Like really got the picture in my mind's eye now. Yeah. Cheers. Um, <laughs> Gaz, you've gone very quiet. You've gone very quiet. Yeah. Me, Gaz. Uh, yes, you, Gaz. No, I'm just, I'm just listening intently. Oh. Yeah, I think, I think it would be if it had been turn five, it'd have been a twenty nil. But as it ended turn four, it was a fourteen six. Never mind. Never mind. Right. So, uh, so that sounds cool. So, uh, Matt, who did you play? I played Mike Porter and his Heat Three third place list, which was. A Chatsmaster with Gorgon's Chain with, as he termed it, five ablative wounds of five bikes. Fair enough. Uh, two squads of scouts. Sorry, one squad of scouts. One squad of five guys with a melter, multi melter. Uh, no, a melter, a combi melter. And a. Oh, what was it? A master of the Forge with a combi melter, I think. Right. And then they were in a drop pod. He also had an empty drop pod with a Mortis Dread, I think, with the two super assault cannons. May not be Mortis, but I'm not too sure on the names of the dreads. Uh, the Relic Whirlwind with the Strength Air AP3 small blasts. And two Sicarians. And what are the Sicarians again? Uh, four shot twin link strength seven rending auto cannons that ignore jink. Oh, they don't sound that bad. Yeah, but I was a gentleman at the beginning of the game. I, I said to him as he'd won the roll first turn, just while I was deploying, just to let you know, I'm going to seize on you. Just giving you some advance warning now. So, oh, so you, you've done a Tony Kopak? Uh, so I let him deploy. I deployed up, scouted forward. Not super aggressive, more round the sides, just so everything was out of range of his knight. I had a couple, one unit go down, one flank, take carry and, and bait his chap master across one way. Two or three units go around the other side, so it's carrying in a whirlwind, trying to bait them and his knight that way. And a couple of units just up a little bit in the middle. And then seized. Beautiful. So my turn one, I think I got a bit of karma for that with all my grav shots doing zero sixes. I think I managed to get a whole point on his Zakarian with my large blast because uh, he was nearby his whirlwind so I managed to hit them both but I did one whole point on the Zakarian, nothing on the whirlwind and one of my melters did a whole point to it so right, last shot of the turn trying to get first blood on summit I'll put my whirlwind onto not my whirlwind, I keep saying that. My Thunderfire onto Sicarian to try and kill it. Uh got two hits on that. Didn't do anything, but I got four hits on the whirlwind behind it. And rolled right. three sixes. 
Nice. So managed to kill that. And then the rest of the game consists of me getting a relic turn one, running back with it. His knight going for a charge one way and stepping on Khan. His bikes and chaps has to go in for a charge the other way, killing uh, the, the bikes there, but then getting charged by my knight. So his Chatmaster was on one edge with my knight, his knight was on the other side of the board, and basically the relic jumping back six inches a turn while Vikes cleaned up his backfield and just throwing attack bikes or bikes or thunder fires in front of his knight just to slow it down. Yeah. And um, I think I mean that's the best thing about knights, the fact that they don't have the jump ability. Yeah. They're not jetpack, you know, other than the the, the Eldar ones can just like leap over the top of your head, but at least you have a chance to uh to block a little bit of movement against the Imperial Knights. I think at the end of the game I had my chapter master with the relic hiding in the corner with the knight about 15 inches away from it. Then I had... So that was his knight. My knight had died. I had one bike... And that's in your backfield, right? Yeah, that was in my very back corner with the knight, his knight chasing it. I had one bike behind a piece of terrain on his side for line breaker and the dread which had been locked up in combat all game, was alive, and that was it. There was nothing else left in the turn six. So that ended up in the 18-2 to me, so we drew tertiary. Did, we, did you go through Paul's game? Yeah, how did you, how, who did you Paul play? Must have been Bob. Paul played another tranny, didn't he? We, we threw him under the bus of the tranny bus again. And was it the same thing? Um, he stole the initiative apparently um, he thought he was going to get a hiding stole the initiative and did he killed the tranny again by turn 3 didn't he uh, I think he actually got stolen didn't kill the tranny killed a lot of other things oh. but just sat on the relic with a rate and clean one going for my relic oh fair enough and it ended drunk. just in time I think if it carried on then the game would have he would have got smashed but it ended just in time for him on turn 5 beautiful natural end I hope yeah, natural. Yeah, natural. So on. overall, boys. So what was the final score versus Team England A? Eh? Not uh, sure. Uh, Gary, you, you probably remember better than I do. Uh, I think it was fifty-eight. We got fifty-eight points, Ooh. or fifty-six points, and we needed forty-five for a win. So oh, it was blimey. quite a, it was quite a substantial win, put it that way. Yeah. Yep. We did good. We did good, boys. Very nice. Good. So um, so brilliant. So. What did you do at the at the evening? So, uh, what were you boys up to at night? Mm, I went had an early night. I, the room was spinning too much. So I had an early night. I had another pint in the pub with Gaz, Adam, and Joel and Brett, and I think we were in bed for about midnight. All together, or did you go separately this time? Uh, we'll see if we then separate afterwards. Ah, tops, tops and tails. Yeah, the conga line of love in the 40k community is it's always a good move at a tournament. It's strong, yeah. Gaz, were you involved in any of these things? Uh, in the nighttime activities? Yes. Yeah, I, we went to um, the pub, didn't we? Had, had a meal together and <laughs> nonsense. Fantastic. Good night, was it? So nice, nice little social, I'd imagine. For yeah, it's, it's the reason why I would go. If I'm honest, like it was good. We we um, we drove over to where the other. Welsh guys were staying and a couple uh, and their team so Peaky Blinders and it was good we all just sat around the table just having a good old laugh taking the piss out of each other and you know that kind of stuff it was good yeah forcing Adam to uh, eat ice cream 
Adam ate the biggest ice cream I've ever seen in my life. That was. You really need. You really need to bend Adam's arm to eat ice cream, don't you? Yeah. No, we, I made him upgrade from the normal to the large. Random fact of the day: Did you know ice cream contains beaver piss? There no, you go. I could have probably gone my entire life without knowing that, Gary. So thank you. Look it up on Google. It's true. I'll look up on Google, it's true. Is that the same way when I look up and see that Justin Bieber is one of the most best musicians <laughs> of all time on the same website? Yes. But I think moving on. <laughs> I don't think it's Beaver Pit, isn't it? Isn't it from the Beaver Angle Gland? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get a lot, we get a lot from beavers, don't we? Are they harvesting beavers for this? I believe yes. it's milking, milking the beaver's anus. Yeah. <laughs> so I, ne- I nearly get the straight face. <laughs> it's the, it's the little, little known North American beaver farms that need to be shut down. Yeah, they're just it's the the conditions are terrible. They should someone should do something about it. <sighs> so cool. So we all had a wonderful night doing whatever it is we do, um, mm-hmm. and then we arrived bright early and bushy-tailed. Uh, the uh, at the venue on the next day. So who were you playing in game four? Uh, God save the Queen, which was the other England team, or the mm. other other England team. The other other England team. There was three. Yeah. Three yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, who was on this little team then? It sounds like uh, a. Uh, this was that, Mike, Mike Fox's team, wasn't it? Ah, yeah, Mike Fox's team. Yeah, uh, Mike Fox. Uh, I was hungover. I can't remember other than the person I played. So Mike Fox and people. Blurs, blurs for Gary. So who were they, Gaz? Uh, Mike, Rob, um, Rob Madeley, Courtney Rhodes, and Tim Newman. Courtney and yeah, Tim, Tim Newman. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. There we go. I know. I knew. I remembered that. You just remembered it very slowly, Gans. So I didn't remember. I did. Yeah, that's yeah. where my brain works. Very it's getting slowly. old now. I'm tired. It's bedtime. Receding. So it's so yes. Yeah, so uh, so who did you play? We'll start with you, Matt. This time. Uh, this time, I think their first offence was Courtney with his guard blob of last cannons, a guard blob of conscripts, two punishers, one being Pask, a within a veteran squad, Celestine, five sisters, and an exorcist. Didn't he have Pask as well? Yeah, I just mentioned Pask. And Co knows defence, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, Co is a very, very good, very experienced defender at the ETC style event, so. Yeah, on this one. Tough game, mate. I got a first turn again. Then I set up just on a line, made the scout forward. He reserved Pask, set up an exist in one corner, a Wyvern in the other, as two blobs mid board, sat in ruins. Bits of train because it was night fight, and story of the game passed didn't turn up till turn four. The knight died in combat with his blob and melter bombs. Celestine was a royal pain in the ass, but keeps but, getting back up, yeah. Well, she only gets back up once, so my chat tossed her, punched her down after she tanked a full round of combat against two bike squads and killed one bike squad in return. What a bitch, yeah. Uh, but she got back up went and charged my Thunderfire who punched her in the face for trying it and knocked her back down uh, by the end of the game I managed to whittle down his conscript blob and kill them off whittle down and kill his main blob and then when his punishers turned up 
they came on, shot up a bike squad, his platoon command started running towards one objective while my thunder fire tried to slow him down. Uh, and then my chapter master and Khan and the squad sat on a three point objective because it was scouring. My thunder fire was sat on a two and my last bike squad moved and sat on a two. Which he did, then shot off turn five, but the game ended. So he was on a three, I was on a three and a two. And yeah, that ended up being a 20 nil to me. Fantastic. So that's mm. a good start. So Gary, how about yourself? How did you, who did you play and how did you I get played, I played their illustrious captain, Mike Fawkes, um, with his Plague Star uh, oh. demons. Um, you know, so usual, well, say usual, um, like, uh, what do you call them? What do they call them? The, um, the Plague Drones. Plague Drones, yeah. Play drones with three noble heralds, a uh, few units of uh, horrors with a Zeech herald and Fatey. Cool. Uh, that's basically it. It was just a Death Star unit uh, with Fatey in support. Um, and a lot of people were going, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, you know. <coughs> Orc, orcs versus a Plague Star. That's, that, uh, never mind, Gary. Under the bus. Um, and it all came down to the first turn, um, which was, well, actually, Warlord Traits in the first turn. Uh, I rolled a Warlord trait, which gave him minus one to his reserves and got the first turn. Uh, and so he's um, he was um and ahhing about whether he put um, Fatey on the table. Um, because I was defence, I chose at a, the most sparse board that I could find. So literally nothing with area terrain so he could get his shrouding off. Um, won the roll to go uh, to pick deployment zones, gave him the one with you know, zero cover as possible. Um, and so he could literally deploy in cover in range of every single one of my guns, or he could deploy on a flank only in range of, say, two-thirds of my guns. And it was on an R in whether he put uh, Fate Weaver down and whether he could suck up um, my first turn shooting if I went first. Uh, in the end, he decided he was going to put Fate Weaver down. Uh, and my first turn was shooting Fate Weaver with two litter squads and doing 12 wounds to him. And he died. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, which was quite big. Um, but I also, because the, the, the way the Maelstrom missions we had, we had like six to begin with, I think it was. We had six Maelstrom missions. And um, I got like Warlord, I got First Strike, I got Killer Psyker and Assassinate a Character all in one one model. So that was quite big. Um, and the rest of the game was basically looters shooting anything that turned up. And my two war bike units charging his Death Star and spending five turns of combat in with it, because nice. he was he was getting like the Grim wear off, and then he was getting like a Cursed Earth. So they had two plus invulnerables, uh, but I was chucking out crap loads of attacks. And whenever he failed a save from a from a power claw, one died. So it was just this grinding combat for five turns, uh, you know, with no Fate Weaver to do any kind of rerolls in the Grim Every now and again, it failed, and when it did fail, I did some serious damage. Um, but it was it was basically it, well not I, I won twenty nil basically um, purely because he never got to go anywhere near any objectives never got to go near any uh, mouse missions because his most of his points were just tied up in this combat while everything just got shot shit yeah uh, I think at the end of the game there was a war boss and three heralds left and that was it of that combat and apart from that I think I pretty much tabled everything else. Still had three looter units. Still had my bike. Uh, still had my um, my boys. 
so yeah, it was a it was a twenty nil purely because I think I got the first turn and just gave him crap all cover. Yeah, nice. Paid for and got Gary. Well done. Yeah, paid for and got. Yeah, it was like Grim was off. You know, charge, charge. Yeah, it was dived up. You know, literally, I was throwing ten man boys into the combat and everything. It yeah. was just like yeah, the minute the Grim I went failed, no reroll. Right, yeah. I throw, I throw everything in. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Wonderful. So, Gaz. Yep. How did you get on? Um, I played Rob and his nids. Rob Maidley? Yep. Right. And, uh, yeah, it was one of those games where you just know the result before you kind of play it due to the list build-up. Again, similar to my first game where, yeah. you know, if had I had no Wraith Knights, Rob would have smashed me, but because I had Wraith Knights, it means he can't land um, with any of his flyers, really. So I just kind of do the same as I always do against lists like that. Stick the Wraith Knights in kind of the middle, sort of the middle third from the edges, so they've got quite a nice big reach. Yeah. And set everything else near them, ready to just go and jump on objectives at the end of the game. Um, he did the right thing. He killed as much objective secured stuff as he could. Um, but with the amount of shooting I had, he didn't leave him with much in the end. Killed all his troops and everything, and the Wraith Knights just meant he couldn't land. So... Um, I got very lucky with the first turn as well. I I managed to instant death one of his hive tyrants, so which was quite lucky with the r- lucky wraith knight shot. Beautiful. So, yeah, it was pretty much uh, one of those games. We we put it. We we kind of tried again. It was it was on matchups. This one, I think, we tried to second guess what they would have in uh, champion, and we thought that it might be the nids, and it was. So I ended up playing them. So. And it was, it was it was quite good, yeah. So we've got the the wins there. Beautiful stuff. Was it? Yeah. Was it a good game? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. <laughs> everyone got to the end of the uh, end of the rounds and whatnot. No. Yeah, everyone got to the end of the rounds. Beautiful so. stuff. Fantastic. So, what was the final score? Well, actually, we need to do the other list first, don't we? How did the uh, how did the Satan Basher do? Uh, what was Paul he playing? He played Dark Eldar with Eldar. Uh, yeah, well. it didn't go well. He got thrown to the wolves a little bit, didn't he? he did. I think it's one of those ones, though, in a four-man tournament, someone is going to have a terrible matchup. Yeah. And what we needed to do is make sure that we got three good matchups and that one person got a terrible matchup. So, Which is what we did. And I, I think he, he played all right, but I think it was just too much poison. It was too much poison, and, and that was the end of it, really, yeah. Fair enough. So what was the final score? Uh, I think that was 60-0 again, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, 60-20, you know. 60-20. God, yeah. they're quite cut and, cut and dry, aren't they, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. right right up until the last round, yeah. <laughs> oh, spoilers. Oh, spoilers, yeah. We like spoilers. So, talking of the last rounds, <laughs> yeah, who did you play? I, I, well, obviously, you're in, the, you're, in the, you're in the driving seat now, boys. You must be table one... Playing for the win, which yeah, is where a team of Flamons caliber should be anyway. So, so who yeah. were you playing in the final round? Uh, we were playing the last England team, England, uh, England B, C, A, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Tony Chews, Tony Chews lot, Team Top Gun, Team Top Gun. Yeah. So Tony Chews lot. So who, who was the goose to Tony Chews Maverick in this team? Uh, who was goose? Well, they had, Tony they had T-shirts. Yeah, Tony Chews was goose. So they had, he had T-shirts with names on them. Nathan Tony was, Chu I, was Goose. Who was who was Maverick then? Well, I, I named I named Chu I named Chu Goose because of his performance in this game. 
Because yeah. <laughs> he was goosing, or he, went, he just went down in a hail of yeah. fire. Oh right! Well, thank God you have the hail of fire. He just went down. Like, That's goose. <laughs> he, he, that he, he, went, well, he did. He went down quite successfully. So <laughs> deep throat yeah. break night. Yeah, I think technically Tony was Maverick. Um, I think Nathan uh, Nathan Roberts. He was goose, wasn't he? Oh, he was Viper. Was he Viper? Oh, the Ice Man, hasn't he? he? He was the woman. <laughs> the woman. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was Nathan Tony. Uh, who were the Matt other two? Mike Pocock and John Holland. Mike Pocock and John Holland, that was it, yeah. Good job, Gordon, Matt. Yeah. John Matt Holland's list was, 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 was atrocious. You would have loved his list, John Holland. What was his? What was John Holland's list? Uh, Not uh, to call you out, John, I think, terrible list, but Gary's going to do it anyway. Gary. Well, no, no, it was it was great. It do you was, want me to oh, go right. through it since I played it? Yeah, yeah, do you first, yeah. Cool, so his list was basically... Champions of Fenris with a Ravenwing ally. So, as his ally, the Librarian, a Ravenwing Command Squad, five scouts. Then he had three Iron Priests on Thunderwolves, three Wolf Lords on Thunderwolves with Stormshield Power Fist, a Wolfguard Battle Leader on a Thunderwolf with Stormshield Lightning Claw. And they each had two dogs, maybe three in a couple of cases. Yeah. And basically had this one unit which was. 1,595 points. Sounds sounds good. Yeah, so, playing this on Hammer and Anvil, uh, four objectives and contact lost. I won the roll for sides, picked the one with a nice big piece of terrain. Uh, basically, the four objectives were kind of the four corners with the two other ones towards the middle. I deployed a Thunderfire and reserved or outflanked everything else and let him go first. Main bat plan for this being I can't engage at Death Star. Even though Gaz said I'll just charge it with a knight and shoot with Grav. Doesn't quite work because it kills a knight in a turn and his average yeah. save was six so I needed sixes to wound. So I basically came on from reserves in all four corners. He split off little bits here and there to go kill things. Did in most cases. But I had enough small units I could Get him, get onto an objective, claim a few maelstrom points, be on that objective in that corner, be in that objective in that corner. And in the end, it came down to my chapter master passing 12, six, three up saves over a couple of rounds, and then hit running out, killing his, what was left of his Raven Command Squad, contesting an objective. Can or an attack like moving on to the objective he'd just been fighting on. A knight sat on one objective, his scout sat on another. So I ended up winning 2-1 on objectives, winning the Maelstrom, and drawing the tertiary for an 18-2. Blimey. So I take it you had second turn then, yeah? Uh, yeah, I gave him second on that one. Yeah. Oh, you but, gave him second? So you went first and managed to contest and... Oh, well, I... Sorry, I won the roll to set up first, but then gave him first turn. Oh, OK. I see yeah, what you That's mean. what I meant by that. But yeah, yeah. since... With that being the last game of the round, there was yeah. a, a little bit of tension and pressure on, which I'm sure Gaz and Gary will explain the reason for that in a second. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it looks like you... Uh, yeah, with, with I guess with that kind of list, what I know from experience, I'm playing something not too dissimilar to that. Um, yeah, if you got second turn and something's fast enough, 
it's a bit of a hard one to do. So it relies on the game ending, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like playing games, isn't it? You know. I was winning turn five, and then six, and then it did go to seven. But I just had enough little units to throw away every time and block him off and just be a pain in the ass, generally. Blimey. Fair enough. Right, cool. So you won 18-2, is it, Matt? Yeah, 18-2 for that one. So how did Paul get on in this round? Uh, Paul. Uh, try to remember now. What you did, Paul, play? Uh, Paul oh, played... Uh, you played Mark. You played Mark, yeah, that was it. Yeah, Demon Demons, wasn't it? Ooh, Demon on Demon action. Yeah, it, yeah. it didn't go well for Paul. Did he take it in the backfield? He took he it did. in the backfield. He basically... Oh. He, um, we, I'll be honest, we massively messed up our pairings in this one. Well, I say we, yeah. I mean me. Um, well, the, well, this is it, wasn't it? We we were convinced, convinced Tony was champion. Yeah. We were com- absolutely convinced that Tony was champion, and we based all our pairings on that that one fact. Yeah. And, and Gaz said, right, we'll put me first, and then Tony went, I'll pray. And we're like, shit. Literally, <laughs> it literally was like, everything we'd worked out just went up in smoke, and it was because I was champion. And so we thought, I'll be playing Tony, and it would be an all right matchup. Uh, but, we only got one good matchup out of the... We got, yeah, exactly. We got one good matchup out of all four, um, so it wasn't good. You, you got the, the pairing tunnel vision, boys. Mm. Which was the good matchup? Yours. Uh, it wasn't that good. No, that's not so good for Matt, really. That was a bad matchup. I just had to play out my ass. Well, okay, then we got no good matchups. <laughs> so I'd agree with that one. Yeah. So yeah, we 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 basically really messed up our pairings. Um. I was I was I was pretty worried um, as soon as they put Tony against me because I just thought I'm going to get smashed here. So mm. I was relying on the other guys to sort of pull me out of a hole. Because the thing is, we only needed a draw out of this. Like, we didn't even need to win it to win it, do we? We just literally needed a draw. Yeah. So back to the point, Paul got beat by uh, Paul by Mark. Paul yeah. by Mark. So we're twenty nil down. Yeah. Uh, Who's Mark running his usual sort of? Uh, he's flying circus. Oh, he's flying circus, is he? Yeah, similar to Adam's. Not <laughs> similar. Well, seeing as he can just make a new army anyway, I guess is one of the ideas he's got yeah. with mm. the summoning. So, yeah, it's a very good list now. So, yeah, so a bit of a bad loss there. So, Gary, who were you playing? Uh, I ended well. I was champion, um, and as I say, we I, we was convinced I was going to play Tony, um, and the reason. Uh, I went champion is because we thought I had the better matchups. Yeah. Um, we thought that school four boys, school exactly. point error. No, you oh. don't put the. Anyway, I won't go into yeah. ETC tactic talks here, but yeah, don't do that. But but of all the four armies, we thought I could play three of them and I'd lose to one of them, um, and I ended up playing the one that I was going to lose to. <laughs> oh fucking bugger! <laughs> Which yes. one was that, mate? Which was Nathan. Uh, Nathan and his nids and elder. Um, so he had. A bajillion flame template. It was like flying nids. So oh. two, two hive tyrants with you know a flamer template and the and the devourers. Three three crones with flamers. Two morlocks with the kind of you know pop up blast Ignore templates. cover type thing. Yeah. Ignore cover type thing. And then uh, like yeah bastion with a with a venom rope and then a summoning seer obviously. Ah. You know. As with you the summoning stone. With the summoning stone exactly. And the sea bike. And he was summoning. What was he summoning, Gary? And what was he summoning? He I was summoning 
flamers. Like his fake. Oh, oh, flamers. Yeah, so many flamers of each. The thing is, he, he, yeah, he rolled, uh, he got two onslaughts. And I, I mean, I made a bit of a mistake myself. Uh, I didn't really take the onslaughts into account. I took so orcs, I, put, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, I took orcs. Hey, you know, I've got three. Oh, um, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, he got two onslaughts, and so he had flamers and ignore cover stuff everywhere. Um, so I pushed forward to try and start taking um, maelstrom points. Uh, and then he, he got his, his onslaughts off, uh, and then got like his uh, crones. Not instead of getting one or two bikes, as I'd measured, he got like you know off to the side of the bike squads, and just f- strength six AP four flamed through the heart of my my uh, my bike squads, uh, and then the summon and seer kind of booted forward twelve and cast cursed earth, and then summoned three flamers off to the side of the other bike squad, and then just, you know put another three flamers through the heart of the other bike squad, um, and at the end of the first turn, I think I'd lost most of the two bike squads. Completely. That sounds uh, were... absolutely horrific. I mean, yeah, it wasn't wasn't fun. It all depends on Gaz, the Master of the Universe, Jones, and his match against Tony Chu. Oh well, do Matt's first. We've done Matt. We've done Matt. My... We? What, what score did you get, Matt? Eighteen two. So we're currently forty to eighteen down. So you needed at least twenty five points out of a twenty point round. Well, we need to draw. So I need. Draw. I need eighteen points, Ooh. and I'm playing a list which is designed to destroy Eldar. Right. And what what does Tony have? So Tony's got three budgies, which are called budgies. What are the budgies called? What are their real names? Storm Tower. Storm Tower. Thanks, Matt. Are you sure this is good at killing killing Eldar? Oh, yeah, 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 I'll explain. So he's got three budgies, he's got three budgies, and then he's got three, um, Matt, three units of... Three Matt, Legion of the Damned. Right, yeah, I can't wait. With with the Melter, Ignore Covers, Deep Striking, um, and then he's got a couple of units of Scouts, and then he's got the bike unit with Librarian and Commander in, um, so Chapter Master, whatever he's called, that's the one. Um, so I'm thinking this isn't going to go well here. He wins the he wins. I win the roll off, so I deploy everything on the front line, hammer and anvil, um, and he just sets up his bike unit. He's rolled invisibility on his psychic powers, so he sets up his bike unit in the corner, um, and I give him first turn because it's the only thing he's got. So I figured I can do all the objective jumping at the end of the game. So give him first turn. He turbos his bikes towards me because he's got lots of grab. Um, and then I basically I move my stuff forward and I unload my uh, my careful. stuff over him. Careful, careful, guys. Well, so you're unloading all over Tony Chu. Right? I'm, I'm unloading my load all over Tony Chu. Yeah. <laughs> and I managed to uh, basically um, beat his chapter master into submission. Right. Um. So he's dead, thankfully. And his librarian, force, anyway. his librarian's down to one wound. On his knees, right? Yeah, so he's he's taken too much, really. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, where where are I up to? So yeah, so that's 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 basically my first turn. Um, Tony then drops down all of his uh, Legion of the Damned, the Lost of the Damned, or whatever they're called, um, behind all my um, wave servants, so we can rear end them. 
with his ignoring cup of mouth guns. You're a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I knew I'd get you. Um, Thank God for the mute. Sorry about this, guys. Whew, right, serious talk. So yeah, he's at the uh, he's at the <laughs> he's at the back doors at the wave serpents, and he's trying to get in. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so he's bashing down my back door of my wave serpent, um, and he's he comes down and, and thankfully he only uh, he only takes out two of them. Uh, one of them he knocks down to one hull point, and the other one he doesn't really touch. Um, thankfully, so um, I've got two wave serpents still alive, and my wraith knights are still alive, and I've managed to summon a few demon units with my farseer. Um, unfortunately, the Come the Apocalypse Allies rule decides to screw me over big time here, because in one turn, four units that are all within 12 inches of each other all roll a one for the Come the Apocalypse. So none of them can act for that turn. Shit. So it's going pretty badly for me, um, in that sense, because now I'm, I'm losing models quickly. Um, he's killing off all my troops, so I'm losing my objective secured stuff. I've got only one wave serpent left, and I've got a Wraith Knight tied up in combat with these guys who just will not fail a save. Um, they were in combat from turn two with a Wraith Knight, and they were there still pretty much until turn five when I had to rescue my Wraith Knight with a unit of Demonettes. <laughs> so it was it was pretty horrendous. Um, and it was it was basically, the game was massively in Tony's favour due to his dice rolling. Right up until my last turn, where I managed to survive with a three-man bike unit, getting shot by three of his um, storm talons with one bike, which then went and contested his um, went <laughs> went and contested his uh, home objective in his in his board, and get line breaker. So, and then in my home. Uh, deployment zone and I used to just kill off enough stuff so that I ended up winning on objectives winning on secondary which are the maelstrom missions and winning on tertiary all by one each Jesus so just by winning each one by one victory point each so I ended up getting a 20 nil. by the skinny of foreskin mate yeah if it had gone on one more turn he would probably beat me 20 nil because he would have killed my last model on objective the bike the last just skill thing so he would have got his objective and killed off my line breaker so he'd have won those and he would have claimed the objectives in my opponent's own so he would have got everything so so when did when did Tony come back round after that complete shock of losing it at the last second in the perfect storm scenario well I think when he he thought his team was doing much better and he was getting quite excited yeah realised that his 20 nil just cost him the team so (sighs) quite upset I bet he was, because yeah. you basically just wiped yourself all over the back of his nice new shirt. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. No, to be fair, Tony, Tony was pretty, he was all right. You know, I, I did I did lay into him a little bit, and, you know, I gave it to him good about, you know, losing the stuff. So, that was it, really. No, that's it. It's, Poor it's, Tony. Like, it's like I say, mate, it's like 40k is a lot like poker. As long as you've got your outs, as long as you play the right choices for your right outs, then you've got a chance. It just sounds like you just, you've just you done that. Yeah, you can't really just go balls deep into anything because if you, if you fuck it up, then, you, then you're screwed, aren't you, really? Well, that's it. Yeah. 
So, what was the final score then, boys? Uh, the final final score, or the final score of that round? Well, the final score of that round. Let's go with that first. We don't, want to, we don't want to ruin it. 38 to us, 42 to them. So it was a draw. Ooh. Yeah, Which they mean, needed another three points. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Skin of our teeth. Beautiful. So it was a, a win for Flame On. It was. It was. Yep. We were four wins. Beautiful. No one else. The only other team were on four wins were England, Bob, Bob and Paul and Josh's team. Yeah. Cool. So, um, where are the photos? Yeah. So I can't see any of the uh, of the award ceremony. Is that going to be uh, online? Awards. There was no there awards. Was... We yeah, got a few. Fr- we got a few free demons out of it. Voucher. Yeah. I think there's a forty pound voucher for coming first. But, and, between, split between the two. And no one had any multimedia device to take a picture of the team. No, there was no. There was no anything. No. It was very. It was kind of like. Oh. The, the end of the, the end of the awards was like, uh, here's third place. Well done, third place. Here's some vouchers. Here's second place. Well done, third place. Here's some vouchers. And the teams didn't go up. There wasn't really much applause. There was. There was no certificates or trophies or anything, which is a bit of a shame for yeah. a big event a like that. Like people just wanted to go home and were done, which was a bit mm. of a shame. It would have been nice to see some kind of awards, even if it's just a small trophy for first. It's always nice to see that, isn't it? You know, if you're going to hack it. Well, it wasn't like the ticket price was massively reduced to accommodate no trophies or anything, because I know they're not that expensive. Even certificates can be cheap. It's the photos you want. I mean, it's the little, you know, this is the person who came first, third, second, whatever. Especially at a team event, that's that's cool. Well, we'll we'll take one where we're all together and we'll just pretend. We'll, we'll do a fake selfie at some point. Fair enough. Fair enough. So well done, <laughs> boys. So we've uh, so team flame on back from the dead. Any uh, any further plans to bring the uh, bring the game brand of the noughties back into the yeah, I'm, I'm quite um, I'm quite tempted. I've got to be honest to try and rekindle the flame, as it oh. were. Give it a burning well, strong. Proves we can still, yeah, punch above our weight. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, uh, some of well, us can. Some so. of us are quite heavy, Gary. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you'd have to punch pretty hard, wouldn't you guys? Yeah, I would have to punch pretty hard. <laughs> I was quite impressed with how the bike was performing over the weekend. We had a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah, mm, it was quite good. I, I was impressed with how everyone did. I was, I was generally like pretty, pretty impressed. I never in a million years thought we were going to win at all. I said it was the most jankiest collection of hodgepodge and last minute and thrown together lists and shit. It's like well, I say, once you, you know, you guys are good players. You don't need to have the new hotness. You just know how to win a game. That's all you need. It's not, it's not all about the killing all the time. It's about what choices you make. So. You've always got a chance when you have four good players on a team, haven't you? Mm. Yeah, three. Yeah. Or three yeah. good players and gas, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So congratulations guys. And uh Thank you. Well done. Got to, to fight to the 
have it another podcast in the can uh, thank you so much to mike collins for taking over the hosting duties this week brilliant job mike thank you very much um, and massive massive thanks to matt robertson as well because without his hard work and his networking and getting to some of these great guests you know the podcast wouldn't be the same at all thank you all to the uh, the, the cast members man because again as i said we've hit ten thousand plays um after just six episodes well five episodes really um, that's an amazing achievement. So thankful to all the guys you know that have been involved and made this podcast a reality. Thank you to the listeners. Amazing. You know all your feedback's great. Anyone that's out there spreading the good word and telling people about this podcast, thank you so much. Um, keep leaving us positive reviews. Keep recommending us to friends. You know, keep spreading the word. We're going to be keep bringing you amazing contact. We're going to be back next week because we will have the Blood Angels Codex in our sweaty little mitts and we are going to be going through that with a fine tooth comb trying to find the the best and (laughs) nastiest things in that book. I know we've all been waiting for it for a long time. Loads of us here on the podcast have been heavily anticipating this. Um, So we're going to be going through that as soon as we possibly can and bring that to you. We'll also do um a further review at a later date but you know we we're really eager to have a go at this book so look out for something very soon on that thanks very much for listening make sure you uh, vote us you know positively on itunes and spread the word and uh, we should be back very soon possibly even by the end of this week who knows